as my signal. Unleash hell. You are tuned in to the round table. Right here on PSN Radio and YouTube. All right, everybody, welcome to the uh, Epic Roundtable Show right here on PSN Radio. That's right, PSN-Radio.com, and uh, it's a little bit past 10.30. Sorry for a little bit of a delay. We were starting a little bit later than normal. It's uh, been that kind of a week and month, and uh, we're going to blame that on the coronavirus. And Zod Rider. And Skype. Yeah. And Skype, yeah. 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 And uh, that voice you're listening to right there is my uh, compadre, my comrade, my numero uno, uh, the one and only, Johnny Alpha. What's up, buddy? How you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Um, it's been a while since you guys have heard me. It's been a while since you heard the show. Yeah. I've been up and running. I got a new show, um, an indie podcast that I do called Nerds from the Underground. It's on the Nerdy Legion Network. Nice. Um, probably leave some links for that after the show but yeah um it's really great to be back here though i've missed my boys i miss jackal i miss talking the movie shit so you let let's get it on even though it's just the two of us we're kind of playing ping pong at the round table just the two of us but you know that it's monastic times what are we going to do brother yeah it's a table for two tonight and uh hopefully if you guys want to join us uh on this not so lovely march 26 2020 uh, you know, it's, uh, everybody's on lockdown. It's one of those things where it's, uh, a horrific month and, uh, it's just gotten worse. And, uh, so, uh, in the, uh, crisis that the, the entire planet's facing, we're here to bring a little levity, a little humor, hopefully, and some laughs and talk about something that doesn't, you know, make you cry at night. Cause right now it's a very sad time for our country, for our nation. And for the world. And, uh, I'm down here in Miami, Florida. We just got hit with, uh, uh, you know, not good news. It's a declared state of emergency now down here. And, uh, they, uh, they're closing down some of the areas, uh, full time, which is, I've never seen that before. And where are you staying at right now? Are you, are you okay where you're at? Um, yeah, I'm in Kansas. Uh, it's Ooh. just kind of, we really hit this heat wave right now. It's just really sticky hot. Mm. Like it gets in the, the um, late spring, early summer here. So, um, but yeah, we are um, we're still working. Quiet. My company, but we keep getting um, told that not to get too comfortable. We're probably going to be getting sent home sometime soon because the cases just keep coming in. So yeah, um, I'm not on lockdown yet. Well, I mean, like the stores close at 8:30, and yeah. you know it's hard to find toilet paper. But we're not on like lockdown, lockdown like some major metropolitan areas are yet. Yeah, uh, it's uh, funny because my uh, pops, who's like you know the least ger- germaphobe person you're ever gonna meet, like he's like he'll, he's the type of dude who'll get two slices of bread, puts it on the counter, doesn't care if he's clean or not. He just he'll eat it, doesn't care. He'll put some shit on it, cheese, whatever, eats it, doesn't care. That's the type of dude he's always been. When I see him actually like swat things down and swipe it with like Kleenex, and now he's all like germaphobic. That's when I know stuff is happening. But luckily for you and me, we're in places where it's really hot. And typically, not always, but a lot of times, these kind of like, uh, you know, outbreaks when it comes to flu viruses like this, even though this is a little bit higher than your typical flu, the heat does kill it. So, 
you know, that's a good positive thing. We're entering the summer, next few months, the heat's going to start taking, you know, over the country. And then if, if the heat does kill it and we can thank global warming for that, can I get Greta Thunberg on the phone and be like, hey, Greta, how dare you go against global warming? Just saves our ass. Little brat. <laughs> I, I'm not touching that one. <laughs> I did have a realization this week. Uh, we were talking about it earlier. Remember, uh, we were off Skype. I realized something. I can't die. I, I, I'm immune to death. Now, you ask okay. yourself, are you a god? No, no, I'm not having a Bill Murray uh, moment here. This is not like one of those things where I'm reliving the day. Every day over, like Groundhog's Day. It's not that. I don't think I am the god. I don't think I'm a god like Thor. But I think I'm some kind of like a weird, like, in-between god, like, ghoulish creature that just can't die. And the reason I say that is I have put together a multi, uh, uh, multiple uh, narrative together. Mostly in my head when I was thinking of crap earlier today, I was like thinking about it. And I was like, uh, this, this is weird. I've gone through so much crap in the last like 10 years that would have either killed a, a normal person or that would have had them commit suicide. One or the other. And I'll, I'll start with my car accident, which you know about in 2008. I think I've told you about that, uh, the one I had in 08, uh, which split me in half. I couldn't walk for months. I feel like we learn how to walk and all kinds of junk and, uh, that the car rolled over twice. Okay, folks. I know people that have died on less accidents than that. Um, so I went through that. I've been thrown off of trucks and flown 20 feet away from the truck, landed, walked away without a scratch. That's happened before. Uh, let's see. Uh, there was an explosion in my last house. An electrical fire popped. It didn't burn the house down. Nothing. It, it was like the craziest thing. In my computer room, which you, you've seen pictures of my old man cave, my old computer room. And, yeah, uh, and the Star Wars room? Yeah. Okay. Now, you saw how that was built. It was full of stuff everywhere, right? The electrical fire started literally right next to a wall full of posters and toys. Like about two inches away from the wall. Okay? Yeah, fire fuel, man. Nothing but it right there. Damn. Right. And the AC was on. I was gone from the house. It ate, you know, the air will fuel fire. Little common fact. Oxygen, fire. Mm -hmm. it, it helps. So... This thing catches blades. I have pictures of the thing. There's like, you know, like a, a ring around, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, what do you call it? The power outlet that blew up on the floor. Literally a ring around of ashes right on the, like the whole thing just melted. And it caught fire, but the wall, nothing else caught fire. Okay? So that happened. Uh, let's see. I had two car accidents after that. I have a broken back from one of them, walked away, but I have a broken back. But I am walking with a broken back since April of last year. I have a tumor they removed in December from my leg, which when the doctors saw it, they, they were like, holy crap, if you would have been in like two weeks later, you would have lost your leg and maybe your life. You came in at the perfect time. 
And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, you should have been here a month ago. Like, I'm you, you literally, like, you're, like, two weeks away from, like, losing a leg. So they were able to save my leg. Um, also, I had nothing in my blood. They checked, you know, I had just regular stuff that I always had, lupus and nyxterma, you know, like, stuff that I'd known already. And uh, nothing extra. Okay? So I survived that. A, hur- a hurricane passed, survived that. Now we're going through this virus. I feel great. I, the, like, I've had no issues. I, I've gone out. I went to Walmart earlier today. I've been out and about. I, I, like, to kill me, I think you're going to have to hit me with a semi-truck at this point. And to boot, they announced on TV a couple of days ago that the virus is weak with people that have type O blood. It, they're almost immune to it. Guess what blood I have, Johnny? O negative? Type O blood. Okay, just regular O? Yeah, type O, regular O, type O. In fact, type A blood and type A negative are more at risk of getting the virus than type O blood. I heard of that from my mom. What about, what about AB? I'm AB. They're, yeah, they're, they're all, every other one's at risk. The only one they, they've been able to pinpoint as being the least at risk, almost immune, is type O blood and type O negative. Yeah, no, man. You like, um, I don't know. You couple more things happened. <laughs> well, I mean, you didn't, you didn't mean, you didn't mention some of the more tragic things that happened. And like, honestly, yes. dude, you got yourself a damn good country song to write with all that stuff, man. Like, you you put your mom in there, and, yeah. and the stuff with your house. And I mean, I swear to God, dude, you got a, you got yourself a hit country song. I mean, I'm talking about tour with Garth Brooks, huge. I'm telling you, I, I can get. I didn't know you've been through that much shit. Bro, I, I can put Miley Cyrus in the background as a dancer. That's how big that would hit. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, "Girl, you're working for me now. I'm your pimp," and she's gonna have to do it. She has, she has no choice because I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm a ghoulish god. You can't kill me. You can only try to stop me, and it's not gonna work. I think you should try to. I think there are hotter girls in country you could like get than Miley Cyrus. Well, I'm not I, going, think you, yeah. I think you're setting your I think you're setting your goals a little too low there, brother. Just saying. Well that that's a I, I do that on purpose though, because if I get anything better, I'm like, look at that, it just blew my expectations. That's great. <laughs> Good point. Good point. See I, I I like see this is the way I work. I like to start at the uh, the trash level and then work my way slowly up from the trash. So we start at trash with her, and then if I get somewhere in, uh, you know, uh, recycling bin area, I'm happy with that. If I get a star, that's even better. If I get a, you oh, know, yeah. if I get like a Samantha Serrano who's a superstar, shout out to her, that's even better. But hey, country singer? I don't know any country singers. No, Samantha is actually like a really cool chick, man. I, I we met her at uh. In 2011, I met her at, um, at a convention down in uh, Orlando at, uh, damn, what was it? It was uh, Megacon in Orlando, Florida. And uh, it was the powwow show. It was out there with SoFlo Radio. Shout out to George Rodriguez and SoFlo. And he was the powwow yeah, guys. Yeah, what's up, George? It's been a while, brother. I'm yeah. doing well. No, well, I haven't talked to him in the last couple of days, but uh, he's, he's hanging in there. Last time I talked to him, he was, he was still alive and well. And that was good. a few He's days ago. Dude. So, uh, George is my dude, man. I love that guy. And uh, his family is great. His kids, his daughters are all like awesome people. I had a uh, dinner once with him and his daughters and uh, the family and stuff. And it was like we went to a little like diner place down by where he lives. 
And uh, it was just really cool to see him. Because remember, I'm a fan from the, like, the 90s. So to see him with his kids and stuff, that was like really neat for me. It was like full circle, man. Because I used to listen to him when I was a kid. Now he's got kids and they're all grown up. And just to be there and then like see him with you know his kids is surreal. Uh, but yeah, shout outs to him. You know, and uh, uh, check out soulflowradio.com. A lot of big stuff uh, going on there, folks. Uh, speaking of which, uh, psn-radio.com would like to welcome. New family, before we get to any entertainment stuff. The World Pirate Podcast uh, Radio Network has uh, joined PSN Radio. And, uh, All right. Yeah, they're, they're uh, going to be streaming live their shows uh, on the uh, network uh, probably in the next week or so. They're going to start doing the, the streaming on there as well. Uh, they, they're on BitChute, you know, uh, YouTube. They, they've done uh, stuff all, all over the place, which we're going to be joining more and more of, by the way. We're going to uh, be doing some uh, videos on YouTube in the next uh, dis- distant, maybe not so distant, maybe a little bit closer than distant future. I don't know. They might be a lot sooner than uh, than uh, expected. You know, I if hope. If we survive. If we all live through... Uh, the beer virus. I, I want to start calling it the Mexican beer virus. What do you think? I, I yeah no. I, I don't got Corona, man. I got Dos Equis virus, man. <laughs> I got the I got the Tecate virus. Hey, if I'm gonna catch a virus, I'm going out drunk. That's all I'm saying. I haven't had a beer in 16 years. I'm, it's not a big sabbatical. Yeah. Shit, I'm 38, and I haven't drank since my 21st, fourth birthday. So, yeah, I'm I'm somewhere close to you are with not drinking. So, yeah, it'd be fucking sucky if I get a beer virus without even having the fun of drinking the damn beer. You know? What, what, what fun is right. that? That's no fun. I mean, if I'm going to get killed by something called Corona, I'm going to be discovered. My my body's going to have like a couple Corona like bottles around somewhere, like. I might, I dude, I better be, I better at least get to hang out with Vin Diesel on the set of a Fast and Furious movie and drink a Corona with him to get the virus because that's the only way that I'm accepting it because like he's the, I hate Corona, it's the nastiest beer in the world, but I think he is like he's cool. Like I'm a big Vin Diesel fan, have been since uh, Pitch Black, and Mm. um, he loves that nasty garbage. But and I always kind of joke around. Whenever I, anybody's drinking Corona, I always do the Vin Diesel Corona voice and shit. <laughs> yeah, like that's the only way I would accept a Corona or the coronavirus is if like I was to get it while drinking a Corona with Vin Diesel. You know, hanging, the guy, out, with, hanging out with the boy. Yeah, you know, like, you know, he's really a cool dude when like he gets paid millions of dollars to say something like, "I am Groot," and that's all he fucking says in the movie. <laughs> right. That's and, it. Yeah, and he, yeah, and he he was one of the high, he got paid more than The Rock that year, and The Rock had I think six films out. Vin Diesel only had um, Fast and the Furious, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Triple X Three, which was a flop, and he still made more money that year off of um, Guardians of the Galaxy than The Rock did yep. out of the six films he did that year. I was just like. How the fuck is that even possible? But good for Vin Diesel. I like him way better than The Rock, anyway. So I like The Rock, but The Rock, you know, he's an acquired taste. But he is a local, uh, you know, not born here, but he went to Miami uh, University of Miami, and uh, you know, he's one of those uh, guys that we we embraced here a long time ago, and he's part of our, you know, culture or semi-culture, whatever you want to call it, because it's a melting pot for all kinds of stuff. 
Uh, so it's kind of hard to well, say one culture. Well, he lives down there, but, doesn't he? Yeah, he, 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 he stays here now. No, no, he, like his permanent residence, it's in Florida, like that's where he, he has a home here. But he has like, I'm, I, I'm sure with all the money he has, it's like 10 houses. You know, like, what would Because I used to watch, I used to watch wrestling back in the day, and like when he wasn't actually on the card, like he was like doing a movie or something, whenever WWF did come through, um, in Florida, he would show up at the shows and at least like, um, show up and come out to the the ring and talk to people and stuff. So like, I knew that he like was a, a big presence in Florida. I'm glad that he's still there. That's cool that like he, because I know that you guys really do li- did like him down there, and I know you guys take it seriously when you guys kind of throw that kind of hospitality at somebody and they totally just like kind of throw it in your face and leave. I like I still just laugh when I think about what happened with um what's the basketball guy's name LeBron. Oh, right, Le- Le- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We got the chump. That's what we got. <laughs> you know, I knew I knew he was gonna like leave, and we'll get to like you know movie stuff in a second because we we probably in diesel up. But I knew the LeBron was leaving when like he cramped up when the AC was off. I'm like, he's faking it. That, that's gotta be a joke. How do you cramp up? Oh, the AC's off. I can't play basketball. My I'm cramping at the legs. Oh my goodness. Hey man, that happened to me. Um, but like, only but you're not a world class athlete. You're not LeBron James who like trains for this well, crap. You know what I mean? Like, and I was also, I was also working out in the middle of the goddamn um, Tampa sun in a solar field with long pants and long sleeves on doing a construction job. So yeah, I was like way sweating probably more. And like yeah, like it was it was kind of hell some of those days in Florida. So yeah, my legs would lock up a little bit out there, but. I mean, like, I've never been to a place that hot, and I've been to places in Mexico. Like, Tampa is probably, like, in the summertime, the hottest place I've ever been. So I don't even know what it's like even further down in Florida, how hot it fucking gets, man. Bro, I'm telling you right now, it, it, I mean, it gets pretty It's not really too much like the uh, temperature, it's the humidity. That's really what kills you down yeah, here. Yeah, it's the water in the, in the heat. Yeah. It's the hot water in See... Folks from other parts of the country just don't get it. Um, they they just don't understand it uh, unless you live here for a while. Uh, it, and I have friends in Arizona, and they're like, "Wimp, ninety degrees." <laughs> I've been to Arizona. You don't get it. Yeah, it's a dry heat. Right. Yeah, it's a dry heat. You live in the desert. It's a dry heat. It's um, it's pretty sustainable. I mean, it, it's hot and miserable, sure, but it's a completely different type. Like, you don't walk outside and feel like you're drowning. Like, some days when it's really hot in the south, you will, like, literally go out and you will feel like you can't breathe because there's just so much damn moisture in that air. It's, it's unreal. You go out yep. in your clothes... You just put new clothes on, and they feel like you've worn them for a week. They're just kind of like stuck to you and wet and gooey, mm-hmm. and it's ugh, it's gross. <laughs> but I mean, you have to be there to like understand it. And like, I know where you're coming from. And like, I've lived in other places in the South. I've been to you know um, Mississippi and Kentucky and to South Carolina and Georgia. But like, Florida is different than all of them. Like, Florida's hotter than all of them, man. I think that the only other one that I've been to that's like that is East Texas and. And um, uh, what's it called? Louisiana. They, they get about as sticky as Florida, yeah. but not as hot. 
I could definitely talk about Louisiana because I lived there for about a year when I was younger. And yeah, it's, that's that's probably the most comparable. Even one, the, and a lot of people make this comparison: California and Florida. No, California gets hot, and San you know, San Bernardino Valley, the Valley, San Diego gets really hot. Uh, Los Angeles gets really hot. Even San Francisco will go extremely hot, but it's hot. Uh, but you know that those areas get really, really warm. But they still, I mean, while they have a lot of smog. They don't get the humidity we get down here. And I'll tell you what, it's funny, my old, I was uh, joking with my pops about this uh, the other day because he goes to me, it, you know, he asked me, he's like, you've been sleeping a lot during the day. Are you feeling okay? Because, you know, he's worried. I was like, well, what's going on? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. I feel fine. He goes, why are you sleeping all day? And I'm like, because I don't sleep at night. And he goes, okay. And I'm like, it's not like we got anything going on right now. We can't even go out, you know, because of what's going on. And uh I go to him. Plus, I have a hole in my leg. And during the daytime, there's sun and it's heat. And uh he goes, what does that got to do with anything? And I'm like, you understand I'm still healing from my surgery in December. So I still have a, it, it, it was the size of a baseball, the hole in my leg when I came home. Now it's the size of like, yeah, it was it was big. Now it's about the size of a ping pong. A little bit smaller than like a marble. So it's, it's, you know, it's like around mad. A little bit smaller than marble, really, I want to say. Not even a ping pong. It's like a little marble. But it, it's like having a giant pore, okay? So what happens is I go out anywhere, and my leg, like, starts, like, pouring sweat. Like, like I can be dry everywhere else, but my legs looks like my right leg looks like there's, like, a water hose attached to it. And it's just pouring out water. Pour like just like nonstop, so and then I wouldn't have like that absorbent like you know, um, you know pad that you put on to like make sure that it doesn't leak. That doesn't hold it. That's yeah. how much you know, you know leakage it has, and it's supposed to absorb it. And it ha- and it's going to be like that until it fully heals over because what's going on? There is no skin, and where does the sweat come from? Between the skin, right on top of the uh, collagen area. So, and that's all exposed, right? I have to clean that out on a daily basis. I know it's kind of gruesome, I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, I have to go through that on a daily basis and keep it clean and keep it closing properly and not getting infected. And when I go outside in the daytime, I literally, like, I leave puddles of sweat wherever I walk. And it looks almost like I'm taking a leak wherever I walk. Like, I'm just, like, peeing a little bit. Like, But that's not it. It's literally coming from my leg. And I and I was walking over at uh at uh the store when I went by Walmart and it was funny, like everybody kept looking at my leg, like, this motherfucker's sick? Like what's going on with this guy? Like Like I kept getting that like that look, you know, like Motherfucker, you hear that yeah. everybody? Like what's going on with you in that leg? And I kept having to walk around and like as I would see people like look at me funny, I'd be like, No, no, no. No flu. Operation. <laughs> It's a respiratory sickness that you're worried about, not 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 sweaty leg. Like, yeah, yeah, if I was, you know, if my leg was coughing, then be worried. But like, you, you need to be worried about respiratory problems, not 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 the hole in my leg. People walking around, people walking around, like by me, like stepping around, like six feet all around me. I'm like, don't don't shed me out like that. Don't put me in a corner. I haven't done nothing to you. I'm not sick. And, and it was the funniest thing, and, and, and like it was, 
it, it hit like a, a boiling point of hilarity when I was actually having a conversation with one of the uh, guys who worked there because there was an, uh, another lady who uh, came by looking for eggs and they had no eggs. And she kept asking for eggs, but she only spoke Spanish. So I translated it for her. And then another dude comes in with his wife, and he's chit-chatting with me. Like, he's like two or three feet away from me, right? And he's waiting to try to get eggs from the employee at the the Super Walmart, which they sell food, you know, all kinds of regular, you know, items, uh, besides just guns and ammo. And, uh... So, like, she's, you know, trying to get eggs, and we know we're talking. He looks down, sees my leg. I saw it, dude. He pulled out, like, the pull-out move, like, very quick. Like, this dude backed up, like, ten feet. <laughs> he, like, hammer-danced away from you. Yeah, 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 like, he completely, like, I was like, I, I looked at him, like, hey, what happened? You became a mirage. <laughs> like, <laughs> like why, why are you walking away now? You really been, like, two feet away from me. Like, it's too late now, buddy. Like, you're going to get it. Guess what? Yeah. You got it. <laughs> like you're not gonna yeah, go anywhere and not, not avoid it now. So, uh, leg cootie now, bro. Yeah, I mean, they've always told me I put my foot in my mouth a lot, but that's ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> pow, pow. you know, it's not gonna happen, guys. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm I'm not a god, but I'm a ghoulish god of some sort. I can't die. Yeah, you could be like one of them creatures from the SCP Foundation. I've been reading those a lot lately. Like, really neat, really kind of cool fantasy creatures people have been coming up with online. The SCP stuff's pretty neat, and I don't know. Yeah, I think, like, you might fit in with them. They got, like, the Plague Doctor guy and a couple, like, really cool ones that I could see you, like, hanging out with and being all uh-huh. menacing with and shit. You know what I mean? It'd be pretty cool. I could change SCP my Foundation name. monster. I can change my name to the, uh, the, 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 what was the, uh, the, the one creature that you the, mentioned, um, short term memory loss, sorry, I smoke weed. Oh, the, uh, what was the one, uh, name you just mentioned from the foundation? The Plague Doctor? Yeah, the Plague Doctor. I could be like the Jackal Doctor. Yeah, you just, you just, you just be the jackal, man. Like, just take, just take on the mantle fully, you know, and just become him. You know, Johnny, just strike, I I am the jackal. Heart of everybody, I know you're the jackal. Buddy. I am. I'm already the jackal. I don't have to be. I I am him. He is I. I am him. Tilt with the filtered brain or something. I don't remember the, the, the lyrics, but uh, like Batman is Batman. I'm the jackal. Speaking of I don't movies. Know, you may, may- yeah, maybe you could get, like, Guy Pierce to kidnap you and put you, fill you full of nanites like the first movie we we're going to talk about. We kind of brought up Vin Diesel and kind of danced around this a little bit, but you and I, thanks to one facet of the coronavirus, we were able to get our hands, um, be able to rent a movie that I've been really excited for since it's been first announced, as I'm a huge Valiant Comics fan, and I love Jeff Lemire's run on the character. Yep. The Bloodshot movie starring Vin Diesel. Um, like, what were your preliminary thoughts right off the bat with that, brother? Well, let me crack my knuckles first. Oh, I don't know if you heard that. That's, uh, I don't know. Uh, no, nothing? Huh? Okay. Uh, Probably, you can't I hear can it. Hear like, yeah, I can hear you kind of like going, <laughs> didn't really sound too tough, so. Nah. That out. Yeah, <laughs> I'll snip that out, don't worry about it. Nobody will ever hear it. But uh, I, I'm gonna tell you what. Look, I'm I, I'm not the biggest Vin Diesel fan in the world. I, I I was there with him when he did Pitch Black. I was like, that movie is flipping awesome. I saw it in theaters when it first came out, and in fact, for me, that was like his uh, Rambo. 
and and it's like a, a space ramble. That's what the way I saw it back then. And I was like, this guy's going to be huge, because this is like space ramble. That's what this is. He's an outlaw, you know, like mysterious. Nobody knows if he's going to be good or bad. Then he whoops all these people's ass creatures, really. Uh, but he's, you know, like that, that's the kind of dude like that is. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, this guy's going to be a, a long-term action hero in, in movies. How many years is that now? Decades, right? A decade and a half or more. Yeah, dude, I think I was in high school when Pitch Black came out. I mean, like that, we're talking, like I was young when Vin yeah. Diesel first broke. And that, that was a long time ago. He looks about the same. He has, I don't know what the hell's going on with the guy. I don't know if it's the, the baby, uh, the babies they're eating in Hollywood or the placentas <laughs> they're all eating. I don't know what the hell's going on with him. If he's in some secret cult, but he has not aged. The guy's in incredible shape. He looks about the same. And I, while his some movies have been kind of hit and miss with me over the years, you know, I, I didn't really like the Fast and the Furious franchise. I'm not a fan of those movies. Yeah. Actually, the one I do like the most is the one he's not even in, the Tokyo Drift. That he's like in a cameo yeah. at the end. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of the series, and I, I have to admit that Tokyo Drift actually is the best in the franchise. Even though I do like all the one, most of the ones with him in it. I don't like part two, and I didn't like part eight very much. Yeah. Uh, they're they're hit and miss, but some of them I really enjoy. Like I really liked part five, and I really liked the first one. They're, they're just dumb fun, you know. Like if you're into cars and tough guy bullshit, then you know you put it on and turn your brain off for two hours, and you know just kind of laugh at Tyrese being Tyrese, you know. And it's good, yeah. good times. Yeah, well, that's 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 uh, one of the uh, the few things about that is redeemable about that franchise. You can laugh at Tyrese. I mean, anytime you can laugh at Tyrese. Done. He should be more famous. He is he is hysterical in those movies, man. Like he should be, he should be the funny man in way more stuff. Because like yep. he, him and Ludacris are fucking hilarious together, dude. In uh, those films, Luda. That's my that's my boy. You know, I have a friend who knows Luda personally. Like he's a, a buddy of his. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I haven't been since he was a rapper, but yeah, he's. I've even actually. He's one of the few that actually kind of went and became a good actor, along with being one of my favorite rappers. He's yeah, a funny, he's a funny st- fucker. He's a funny story. When he was like in, the, in his peak of fame back in like the mid two thousands, that he was like everything he touched was like a, a hit record, right? I was working as a travel agent, and uh, one of my uh, good friends, Kelvin. Uh, he went to, he was, uh, I think it was in, uh, the Marines or Navy or something like that. And, uh, he, when he served, he served with Ludacris's, uh, manager. And they became friends. Even after he, you know, he stopped serving and he came home, he, you know, kept his friendship with the manager and he became Luda's friend over the years and they were good buddies. We worked at a travel agency and one day he just bust out, like he's listening to Luda in the car and he's like, hey, uh, Jacko, come here. Because he knows that I made music at the time. And he goes, check out uh, the song from Ludacris. And he puts it up. And I'm like, yeah, he's cool. Not a big fan, but, you know, he's pretty good. But, yeah, he's no Tupac. You know, like, yeah, he's all right. And he goes, dude, he's hard. And I'm like, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. I like some of his stuff. And he goes, no, 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 no. You have to listen to, like, his music and really pay attention because the dude could rap. And I'm like, okay, I'll pay more attention. And I started liking some of his stuff. And and then, you know, there was a one time I remember the name that I didn't like. And I was like, eh, that time is garbage. And I called him out on it. 
And, dude, I swear, this is, like, the funniest thing I've ever, like, experienced when it comes to, like, the travel agency. Um, about an hour later, Kev, uh, Kevin goes to me, Hey, uh, remember the, you were talking trash about Luda, about that song you didn't like? And I'm like, well, it wasn't really trash. I was just saying it wasn't as good as some of his other stuff. And, you know, he's not really all that. Like, you know, like, you, you blow him up like, he, like he's the best thing ever. Like, you know? And he had not told me that that was, his, like, his boy yet at this point. Like, I didn't I had no idea. And he goes, well, I got a surprise for you. And he puts him on speaker and was like, uh, do you want to tell this guy who you are? And he goes, it's Luda. What do you mean my song is trash? And I'm like, huh? <laughs> Shit. Put you on the spot like, that's cold, man. And then he like, he, <laughs> and he goes, cause his real name is Chris, Luda Chris. His real name is Chris Christopher. And he, and he goes, Chris, this is my homeboy here, uh, Jacqueline. He's on the ETT talked a little bit of snack about your song. And I, and I was like, come on, that's not ludicrous. That's, that's no way. And he goes, that's Luda. And then he, he booked him on a, on a, on a trip and everything. Like, Luda bought a, uh, I think it was a Sandals vacation package from us, for, from my friend. And I was like, son of a bitch really knows ludicrous. That's crazy. Like, he, like, why are you testing me like what? that? Just tell me. Don't make me embarrass me like that in front of Ludacris. Yeah, well, yeah. That, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, that is kind of put, putting you on the spot like that. Just like, hey, now now talk to the man and explain to him why you think he's... It's like, man, when I was telling you that as like, as, as like a buddy, I didn't know you were going to fucking run and tell dude. I mean, like, I, I ain't ready to fucking... You know, f- face the artist and the forest. You know, like, like Jesus, man, like warn me, like you know, like pretend I'm a part of the WB network and just Warner Brother, like you know, like seriously, like what the hell, dude? Like how you gonna do? Like how you gonna do me like that? You're supposed to be my friend, my homie, my boy. I'm your son's godfather, and you're gonna do me like that? That's messed up. But getting back <laughs> to what you were saying, I th- I think that that's actually kind of a pretty apt description of like a how Vin Diesel kind of broke on because I mean he was he was a big kind of muscle neck dude yeah and he, he had that voice so he kind of he really did kind of slide into almost a Stallone type role the, which, with, with the, what he was trying to do with him, himself as an action star yeah which brings us uh, right into uh, the movie we're going to talk about today, Bloodshot, which is the new movie that's out now, and it's in limited theaters. Well, it's in theaters, but it's in, not a limited release. It's just it's limitedly being viewed because everybody's stuck at home. Nobody can go outside and, and enjoy theaters. Nobody can enjoy regular life right now. So what studios did, which is very smart, they put it out for streaming. Anybody can you watch it. You pay for it on Voodoo or whatever your streaming device is. And, uh, you know, watch the movie. And I caught it earlier, and I liked it. I, I thought it was a, a fun action movie. Reminded me a lot of Terminator. And, like, a cross between Terminator and Total Recall and Robocop. And I know that this is a Valiant uh, Comics uh, storyline. I'm going to let you talk more about that because you know that history a little bit more than I do. But I will say this though, the action was superb. I, I enjoyed the, uh, and it's action all the way through. There's very little, like, time to, like, to think. This movie's action packed. Um, the elevator, um, sh- uh, the elevator scene, man, oh, at the end with, with, oh. the, with the one 
robot guy. Like, how amazing was that? And Dude. Like, I kept expecting it to end, but, like, it just kept going, and it all just yep. looked so good. I couldn't believe it was a Sony superhero movie that looked, like, that good and had that good of a fucking um, boss battle in it, man. That was just – that was so radical. That was really what put the movie over for me. I enjoyed the whole thing, but just how good that looked and how well that was put together, that elevator sequence was yep. just – Incredible. I mean, what what other uh, movie could you compare an elevated sequence like that and being that good and well shot? Because I'm talking about like you can't. I mean, obviously a lot of it's CGI and is blended with practical effects, and you know it's a lot of that stuff done in studios, not even in a real building. But I mean, the way they blended the entire thing together, I mean, it looks so realistic. I mean, the way they 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 went out of the way to make the fall or when they're falling through the uh, the elevator where they, they hit things. I mean, to get the human body and make it bounce a certain way when it hits the floor, uh, even though, you know, spoiler alert, he's not exactly human. Uh, you don't know, I'm not going to ruin it for you. But, uh, you know, the way that the texture of, like, the entire sequence, the cinematography, the way it shot the cuts, I mean, I would expect this to be like a Steven Spielberg production. Not so well it's blended together i mean it's beautifully done beautifully done yeah they had to get one of the best um like i'm not i don't know what um effects company they got to do that for them mm-hmm. but i mean it's top notch it, it looks it looked as good as it looked probably better than some of the big fights i've seen even in marvel films yep. because like you were saying because they kind of blend um falling with like base fighting on top of elevators yep. to them like climbing around doing parkour jumping from beams to beams back to falling to base fighting again like it, it just and it just blended it like uh, sure one of the guys kind of had robotic limbs so he could kind of you know climb and do stuff kind of monkey like yeah. but i mean it, it it all it all looked re- um it all looked realistic to what you were shown going into the fight nothing kind of Nothing looked hinky, nothing looked bent, everything looked like it moved natural to what was presented at the beginning, and yep. I, it just looked so clean. I, 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 I watched it again to, to see if I could find any like glaring mistakes, and it's just edited well, it's, it's not shaky, it's not, you know, it's not one of those things where you, you they, they kind of keep your the camera shaky so you don't know what's going on you're you watch the entire thing and it's all very clear and very clean like they must have put a lot of the budget into it and i'm happy they did because it came out as just a sequence that's really going to put the film over and i think that it's going to be what a lot of people are going to talk about going forward with it just like the rest of the movie was really cool there was action all the way through it like the motorcycle scene and -hmm. then running through the city was great oh that was awesome like that but the elevator the elevator fight at the end was just, oh my god! And then you finally get to see him go full bloodshot and turn silver yeah. afterwards, which, which you know, is a nice little wink and nod to the comic book fans because they got kind of pissed and I'm um, in the trailer because you never got to see him go full silver, which you know it's kind of his normal mode when he's in fight mode in the comics, which I understand it's an adaptation. And I really didn't know how much Sony was pouring into this. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think they did a nice job of hedging their bets at, um, you know, relying on comic book fans to be excited for it, but mm-hmm. also for wanting to just get regular action heads in to see the damn thing without them even knowing it was another comic book movie. And I think that they balanced that well. And I think I really hope that even 
with it not being shown in theaters like it should be, that it um, gets rented enough and people watch it because it's it's a very solid, really good action film. It's one of the better ones I've seen this year so far. And it had a modest budget. I mean, we're, we're not talking about a $200 million budget. This movie had a $45 million budget for the actual production and maybe another $20 million for uh, promotion on top of so, that. So, so it's a very... So it's medium budget film yeah. at best. Wow. Yeah. So it's for them to that, that tells you how good effects are getting and how good technology is that you could you know take forty five million dollars and make a movie that ten years ago would have cost two hundred and fifty million dollars to make easy. And it had a good, it had a good cast. I mean, I know Vin yeah. Diesel can't be cheap. Guy Pierce is always fun. You know what I mean? And like yeah. I know that um, he well, at least he's got name um, appeal. Um, I really, um, Toby Kibble played the first villain. And I always have fun with that goofy bread. I thought, he, yeah, he's good. Especially even though it was a simulation when like he was doing the psycho killer dance. I thought that, I thought he did it the best. He was hilarious. Um, and then I didn't know, um, the girl, I really liked her though. I, I really hope to see her in more stuff. She was, she did her part well, very convincing, very beautiful, but also, um, uh, as a badass. Yep. And then the, and then the two soldier guys, I thought, they pull. I'd never seen them before, but I I think that they pulled their weight, and I thought that they kind of played um, unwilling villains pretty well. You know, I thought that they. So all around, I think the movie just they 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 aim for what they had, and I think they really made the best out of what was possible with mm-hmm. the budget and what they had. And I, I, I'm bored. Like I said, like I'm I'm a pretty big Bloodshot fan. I love the comics. Um, and I know that this is the setup film. That's the origin film. Like at the end of yeah. this, you're going to get to see him how he is in the comic. In the comics, he's kind of more like Logan mm-hmm. from the movie Logan, yeah. mixed with the Punisher. And we're probably going to see that if we get sequels because he's got his RV and his chick mm-hmm. and, and his mechanic. At, at, so um, I, I think that for an origin film, it's not from the same as the comic, but I wouldn't say that it's any further off than um, most of the Marvel or DC adaptations we've gotten for characters' origins recently. You know, it's funny you said because you literally stole that from the, from the back of my head. I was about to mention that, you know, this is an origin movie, so, you know, a lot of people that complain about him not turning silver or this or that, you got to understand, origin films are always going to do that to you. They're not going to give you the full characterization um, because they want to save some for the sequels. You know, that's the way this works. Yeah, and especially when you have a short running time. I mean, you don't have more than two hours to tell a movie, or an hour and a half, or an hour and 40 minutes, or whatever it is. You know, you don't want to make a four-hour origin movie. Nobody wants to sit through that for the most part. Even though I'll tell you, this was so much fun, if they would have added another 30 minutes, I would have been there without a problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No issues. Yeah, I could I, I could. I could have watched another half hour of this movie, no problem. Yep, it was that, it was really that good. By the way, Isa Gonzalez, I think it's the girl's name, uh, Katie in the movie, Kate, KT. Um, that's the one you mean, right? Yeah, the, as far, well, there was the, the, the chick that was the wife in his memories, but like, yeah, she was, she was good too. She did her part well, but yeah, I was talking about the girl that played KT. I'd yeah. never really seen her before, but 
I, I really enjoyed watching her on screen, and she did her part well. I believe that she was uh, a soldier. Mm-hmm. I believe that she could kick mad asses, and yeah. I, I believe that she knew how to throw grenades and do all the stuff that they had her do on there. So they trained her well, and mm-hmm. um, so I really hope to see more of her. You know, like I give her her own film. You know, have her do like swimming, planting grenades on subs or something. You know, in another Valiant movie. I, I don't know. If she's from the comic though. I don't really remember her character, but I don't care. You know what I mean? Like they add new characters all the time in yeah, Marvel I'm, and DC movies, and when they look like that, I'm not going to be like, <laughs> oh, you can't be inventing new characters like that. I'll be like, that's the new kind of character you need to invent, right? Now, now. I'll tell you what, I'm going to bring a little politics in this, because you know that I'm pro-Wall and I'm pro-Trump. She's Mexican. She can come through my border anytime. I'm just saying. That's she, very lenient of you, but I, yeah, I don't <laughs> see why you... I, I, she come up to your wall and flash them eyes, blink at you, look all cute. You'd be like, oh, yeah. Even if she hits you on the way through, like Mexican girls like to do. They like to hit you. Um, I'll be like, I'll be like, orale, dale way. Come on. Come to the water. Come see the jackal. No problem. You're still welcome. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be helping her jump the wall, get through it, because, you know, I'm anti-wall. So, yeah, I'd be digging her hole or whatever she needed. Yeah, well, there'll, de- there'll definitely be some hole digging, let me tell you that. In fact, my first question will be like, uh, are you a citizen of the U.S.? No? You want to be one? I- I'll make it happen. I got to say yes. <laughs> well, you got to say yes now, and then you got to say yes later when we're in the church. If, if that's your thing... I'm going to go to a courthouse and make it legal there. It's, I, I'm good, wherever you want to go. As long as we end up in yeah. bed together. That's all I want from me and you, girl. It's just you and me. That's it. For about maybe 8 to 10 hours, maybe 15. But have, have you seen her in anything else? Has she like really been in any other films? I didn't like IMDb or afterwards, which... I kind of usually do. Sometimes I get creepy like that and be like, ooh, I like her. I'm going to be here. She's got a great jaw. She's got a jaw like heavenly. I got to see her IMDb page. I love her jaw. <laughs> the thing. IMDb her. Ooh. Yeah, the thing she can do with that jaw muscle. Oh, boy. I got to check out her IMDb. See what's going on with her. Yeah, she was actually, she's been in a few things, and I'm going to drop some stuff for you. She's uh, mostly known as a, a Mexican actress and in, in singer, but she's been in, uh, let's see, Godzilla vs. Kong. She, she was oh, that's not that. out yet, so she's going to be she's in She's going to be in cool. that, yeah. Uh, she was in Fast and the Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Who's she in that? She plays uh, Madame M. I have to rewatch that piece of shit. I haven't seen it. So I, I have no idea. Oh, it, it, it's terrible. I, I mean, it's kind of funny. It's got some, Jason Statham's got some really great parts in it, but uh, man, even for a Fast and Furious fan like me, it was really hard to get through personally. And she was in two of my favorite movies in the last five years. And I'm surprised you don't remember. She was in Alita Battle Angel. Was she? Was she yes. Alita in that? She was uh, Nasiana. Remember Nasiana? Nolita Nasiana? No? No, I remember the little Asian girl that she was friends with, and I remember Lolita. I don't remember any other girls in that. But cool. I, lo- I love that movie. I'll, have to, I'll rewatch that tonight and see if I can spot her. Well, yeah, she was She was in that. And uh, another movie, which I, I, I flip out every time I watch it. It's such a good movie. It has a, to do with racing. Baby Driver. 
Ooh, she was in Baby Driver too. Yes, uh, I love played, that one too. Yes, yeah. yes, she played. So she's been in some good stuff. Yeah, she played Darling in Baby Driver. You remember Darling? The character she's like the the one of the main chicks. Oh, that wow! I didn't know that. Realize that that was the same girl. Okay, yeah. cool. No, she she's been around. She's not like a first time actress. So when I saw her in this, I was like, because she does look a little bit different. She looks way hotter in this than she's done, in, you know, stuff in the past. And, and I was like, I was like, oh my god, like. Oh, they made her look super hot. Baby Driver on purpose, so yeah. Yeah, no, but she's she, she's not trashy in this. Oh man, she looks really good in this, and plus she she is she does a lot of her own stunts, so she's not a real martial artist, but she she's got balls, you know, not 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 the Bruce Jenner kind, not <laughs> not not those, but she's you know she's got the fortitude without the actual testicular part. She's got. She's she's there, and I and I saw some of the yeah, she, stuff. Yeah, she's she's like um yeah, like Michelle Rodriguez or Selma Hayek, one of them like really badass Latino girls you just would let beat you up because oh, it just sounds fun at the time. Selma Hayek, you have you just took me right in the fields, bro. Right in the fields, man. Anybody who ever watched any Robert Rodriguez movie would would be like, yeah, I would totally let Selma beat me up, throw a knife at me. Like, let's go just ahead. let's just say I almost had a Pee Wee Herman moment. No, 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 no. I gotta mute my mic. Not right now. When I saw From the Still Dawn in theaters when it first came out, and she comes out for the first time in that movie, I was about to. Have, I was. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like I was about to have a Pee Wee Herman moment. Like I was about okay. to, I was about to be like tell everybody, yeah, please leave the theater for thirty seconds. That's all I need. Just come with you and just enjoy the moment. Oh, oh yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, the snake so dance is probably like one of the hottest things like filmed in the past twenty five years. I'll put it this way to you: you know how I feel about Quentin. You know, I'm on and off a fan. You know, I like some of the stuff. I don't like some of the stuff. I've never wanted to be Quentin Tarantino more in my life than, than him in that movie because he gets your feet in his mouth. Now, I'm not a toe sucker. I don't have a foot fetish. But some Hayek, I might make that exception. I mean, I, you know, you know, I mean, come on. Come on. Give it a shot. Th- that would be worth giving it a shot for. Yeah, like seeing what the fucking feet, freaker, feet freaks are actually all about. Yeah, I'd, I'd go ahead and. You know, test it out with with Selma. I mean, a little toe jam ain't gonna hurt nobody. I'm, I'm just saying, oh, this little toe jam with the teeth ain't gonna hurt nobody, especially when it comes from you know, from a hike. So, and she's like what, close to fifty now. She still looks good. Like, damn. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What was it? Was it the Golden Globes or the Oscars where everybody was sharing that picture of her in the blue dress? Like, yeah, she's still. Damn. When she shows up to one of those things, is like one of the most talked about fixtures. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's gonna go down as probably one of the greatest beauties of Hollywood ever. You know, if we survive, <laughs> yeah, if we make it past. If, if Hollywood if survives, survive. I'm gonna keep it, saying that tonight. If Hollywood survives, because Hollywood's in California's in terrible shape, and Hollywood, yeah, well, if they get over the the Corona thing and the Weinstein thing and the, you know all the other pedophile things, and there's actually any movie stars left after all this crap, I I hope she's one of them because I I definitely want to see more of her, you know, especially if we survive and we're all get, you know aging together as we age gracefully. I want her to age gracefully so I can keep seeing her 
as hot as she is for as long as possible because God, that woman's gorgeous. I've always had a thing for a brunette, especially really, you know, I'm like Trump in that sense. I love beautiful women, but I love brunettes. I love, like, you know, Spanish. I'm Spanish, so you know, sue me. Yeah. You know, it happens. No, no, the Latino, Latin women are, yeah, they got a, they got a look to them, and the ones that are beautiful, God, they're, some of them are just downright goddesses, and yeah, Selma's one of them. Um, yeah, there's, there, you ain't gonna get, arguments from many people I, uh, you'd have to be like a really nasty straight up pecker would to probably actually have to try and sit there and tell me straight face that you don't find that woman utterly just beautiful or a, classic uh, and, oh. yeah or a part of the alphabet people oh i'm pretty sure even they would sit there and admit that like not my type but yeah she's beautiful you know like i because like a lot of a lot of my um my the, uh, persuasion. <laughs> um, they they can they can admit that girls are pretty. They just don't personally want to bang them themselves. You know what I mean? That's just how they roll. <laughs> yeah. But they can stay. They still understand it and can say can consider girls to be pretty. You know, it's not like that. That's been cut off from them. I mean, guys, you know, it is what it is. We all have alphabet people in our family, friends, you know, like, you know, it is what it is. I'm not trying to insult anybody, but saying alphabet people, it's a lot friendlier than the other words. Uh, but, you know, like, let's be fair, let's, let's be honest here. She would turn a lot of those alphabet people back into non-alphabet people. Like, I'm pretty sure if you present her naked in a room somewhere, some of those dudes are going to be like, hey, tell her, like, hey. What's going on? <laughs> oh, they'll try to do like that McConaughey, like, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, man, did you did you get to watch that um, Guy Ritchie movie he was in, The Gentleman? That also went up on VOD yesterday. Have not, but I've heard really good oh, things. And I love McConaughey. So. Oh, he, he is so – dude, it is – I liked all of Guy Ritchie's um, gritty Brit films. Yep. This is probably his best, man. And McConaughey, like he is, Ooh, dude, that's he is, harsh. He is so he is so McConaughey in it. It's it's awesome. Yeah. And him, but hold on, hold on. People constantly. Hold on, hold on. Better than Snatch. Yeah, man. Snatch is overrated because of Brad Pitt. Oh. Lock, stock, and rock and roller were better than Snatch. I I'll say that was a great movie too, but Snatch over. That was a funny angle. I'm just saying. There's no, no, not... no, Snatch, Snatch is a great Snatch is a great film. I love all the Guy Ritchie's random gritty Brit flicks. I just don't think Snatch is one of his best of best of. Like for me, it goes probably The Gentleman, Rock and Roller, Lockstock, wow. Snatch Revolver. Wow, Johnny, I never knew it about you. Really. I still, I mean, I love all those films. I own them all and I watch them all, like, constantly, you know what I mean? They're, like, some of my, like, you know how most people are about Tarantino? That's how yeah. I am about Guy Ritchie and his Brit films. Like, I really just enjoy the humor and the music in them. Like, they resound, they resound to me kind of like how a lot of people do with, you know, garbage like um, Kill Bill, you know? But for me, like, I'd rather watch, you know, Snatch or Rock and Roller because I, I personally get... More of a kick out of the, the out of Guy Ritchie's style of doing that type of throwback cinema to Tarantino's personally. I I, I fully understand. By the way, that was not a, a weird uh, cough or hiccup. That was just me yawning. Uh, but I'll tell you this much: 
Um, all those movies are good. I'm a big Guy Ritchie fan also, but there's no movie that he's done where he's had more quotable lines and more names of characters in the movie that are epic and hilarious that you'll never forget in your life. That's Snatch. I mean, would you ever forget? Would you ever forget the name Frankie Four Fingers? Frankie fucking Four Fingers. Exactly. You gotta say the. You gotta say his whole name. You know, <laughs> Bullet Tooth Tony. Come on. Yeah, that I, I will say that like, um, Vinny Vinny Jones was better in Snatch than he was in Lockstock. I liked um, I liked Bullet Tooth Tony better than Big Chris, but I don't know. It's just. Snatch was. I, I, I don't want. I'm, I'm not trying to put it down. I love the film. It's just. Bro, I think that it kind of Boris the Blade. Come on, Boris the Blade, Turkish. You Boris. got. There's so many awesome characters in that movie. Like the names are epic. Everything. Like, but, but they're like that with all of his movies. Like I had, know. Um, you had Barry the Baptist and Horrible Hatchet Harry and Lockstock. You had Bacon and Soap and uh, Tom, um, Tommy the Fat Man and every all of his movies kind of have really cool names like that. So, and um, Rock and Roller like uh, Gerard Butler was one two and uh, Idris Elba was Mumbles and John yeah, Lewis with Toby Kipple. Like he's always got really cool names for his characters. Like Jeremy Piven and Ludacris were called Ronan, Roman and Mickey. You know they always got. He always gets those kind of really cool, flashy. So I, I see what you mean, but the thing—the thing that Snatch has going for it that a lot of other movies don't—is that he had a lot of American star power. He had Benicio del Toro and Brad Pitt in the film when they were both like really rising stars, and, um, and that's cool for him. But I, I think that that kind of carries the film over into some people's minds of it actually being better than his other work and it's kind of not it's, it's it, like i kind of view all his films kind of taking place it's almost like sin city it's almost like it all takes place in the same part of town but you're like learning about these different stories of these different guys in different neighborhoods that's kind of all happening at the same time and um snatch was just another one you know what i mean it was sure it was a good one but you know, like, I, I enjoy... Like, Revolver's probably my least favorite because he tries to get too surreal yeah. and weird with it, and it didn't really work too well for his normal style. But I appreciate that he tried, and I like that he only tried that once. So, like, I give him, like... You know, everybody wants to make that art film the one time. So, like, yeah, I'll go ahead and let him get away with Revolver. But out of his Brit films, that's my least favorite of his. That's the only one that I'll kind of ever shit on, shit on, you know what I mean? Like, kind of be like, yeah. Yeah, Revolver kind of sucks. <laughs> And I, I'm not a, a big fan of some of his writing. Like he was part of the screenplay for Aladdin. Um, he, he, he directed it too, right? I but think he, so. Yeah. He did that he did that so he could get he make does movies like that so he can get money so he could go back to England and make stuff like The Gentleman. So he's he's one of those guys that does that. He'll do a shit film to get make money to go make a good film. And um, that's kind of the game that everybody has to play. Like Coppola used to have to do that back in the 70s. He used to actually do that to help your boy George Lucas make his films too. So, you know, some directors just... Oh, no, I, I'm, I'm on board with that. But there's certain movies where he could probably direct it because his action is good and his cinematography is, is excellent in all, almost all his movies. And Aladdin didn't like that, but the writing the screenplay was terrible. And, and that's, you know... Partly, obviously, he wrote the screenplay, so it was his fault. My thing with that is, 
there's some movie adaptations where he, when he writes the screenplay, just it doesn't work for me. And that was that was one of those that like his writing was just bad. Like and I could say the same thing for like the man from Uncle, where he wrote the screenplay and directed yeah, it. The man from Uncle that was, was terrible. a horrible I like movie. His, I like his Sherlock Holmes's a lot. I think that those were pretty good. But he directed. I don't think he wrote those. He just directed them. So. Well, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, the, those came out really good, really well shot. But yeah, I didn't really care for for Man of, from Uncle, and then I didn't even watch Aladdin. I only saw the trailer, and I was just like, "Go on, Guy Ritchie, get that Disney money, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna hold it against you." But this looks like shit, brother. Like I ain't gonna lie. Like if anybody ever asked me, like, "So you're a big Guy Ritchie fan? What do you think about Aladdin?" I'm definitely gonna make the fart noise, but. You know, like, I understand why you did it, and I, yeah. I'm going to bash you on that principle, but... No, I have no issues making with, a turn. I have no issues with him making the movie as far as, you know, it's a paycheck, and he needs it to, like, get other work. That's that's cool. I understand how the game works in Hollywood, believe me. Uh, but it, when it comes to, like, directing, it's one thing. Again, the movie looked great. It was just a terrible movie. Like, the, the writing script was all over the place. Uh, you know, some things... Don't adapt well. Um, some musicals, when they're cartoons, you can work with them. Like Aladdin in, in a cartoon form with the singing and all that, you know, that works for cartoon. Does not adapt when you're trying to do that kind of a movie into live action. For them to like be running in an action sequence and all of a sudden everybody starts singing, doesn't work in live action. Just, it looks silly. It looks stupid. Uh, it just, it does not fit. A live action movie. If you're making something like really like you know stupid like Cats, like nobody wants to see that crap. But if you're gonna make something like that or Moulin Rouge or one of those you know musicals, or whatever, that's fine. Do that, but don't you know to something well, like well, Aladdin. But yeah, but like you know something like Cats, like there's no big fight. You know, like it's kind of like the cats meet. And they That's why. Which one's gonna get reborn? And they kind of just like sing their stupid songs. And you, uh, the same thing with Moulin Rouge. I mean, like, yeah, you had like the love interest, but I mean, that's not like uh, you and McGregor had to like fight somebody. You know what I mean? Like, well, worries me about that is stopping. Well, worries me about that is that you've actually seen those movies and know a little bit about them. <laughs> well, I haven't. I haven't actually seen the movie Cats, but I have seen the play um, a few times. Well, a few times. I knew times. this girl, man. I used to date this girl back in my punk rock days, and she was into musical theater. And she, uh, you should, you should have seen this girl dance. And she was in Cats, so I went and saw Cats a couple times. Wait, well, she was in the show, or she was like into yeah. the show? No, she was in the show. She was. I mean, it was like a, it was wasn't a huge production. It was um, it was off um, Broadway, San Francisco. But like, yeah, she uh. was. Well, um, and she wasn't one of the main cats. She was one of the ones that kind of just danced around and, you know, did the jumping around in the back. But whatever, <laughs> she was in the show, so. She was like the trashy cat in the background eating, like, you know, the fish from the trash hey, can. Dude, she, <laughs> she had, like, her hair, red hair all spiked up. She had the collar on. Like, I thought she looked great, man, to tell you the truth. I was like, uh, so like when Alex was telling, Alex was asking me so like when you saw it does that make you a, kind of like a furry and I'm like I'm like, I'm dude to tell you the truth because like when I went and saw my old girlfriend in Cats it it, it worked you know and I get it was it, <laughs> I was like yeah I, I'll be your rumple teaser 
<laughs> I'll be your uh, Huckleberry. Wait. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I could never watch Cats the movie or the musical on uh, on theaters in the theater play. Not? It's that's not that bad. It's just a dumb show about um, basically one cat gets gets picked to be born again and like comes back to life and they pick the old homeless one that's like all sad and shit and she like gets to die and come back as a young happy cat it, it's sentimental it's nice but it's also convoluted and really stupid i mean it, there are a lot worse things you could watch like uh, cats isn't gonna like hurt you if you ever watch it you know like there are some musicals that are just terrible like les miserables don't listen to the hype that that fucking production is utter garbage now i love the book by victor hugo it's a masterpiece the musical oh my fucking god dude when did that come out that that miserable i never saw it to be honest i've never seen that movie i know there's a there's there's Uh, like a couple movies made out of uh actually funny enough the guy that made cats actually directed les miserables a couple years ago with um hugh jackman and russell crowe and uh what's her name uh anne hathaway was up in there um and it was terrible. It was fucking awful. <laughs> How do you? I, got that, I think that's when me and Ben actually fell off with each other on on Facebook. Me and him like really got into it over <laughs> Lamez Rob. And I'm just like, okay, this is this is this is going to be the breaking point between us. All the fucking fights and shit we've had, we're finally gonna throw <laughs> it in over fucking Lamez Rob. That's fine, you psycho. You look like you're gonna shoot up a Walmart, anyways. Yeah, he does actually. Like. I don't know, maybe not a Walmart, but like he's more like a Kmart, maybe Sears, type of guy, remember Sears? Remember them? <laughs> yeah. Like, he might just uh, show up with another clothes and be like, I'm shooting the place up! Where, where, where's everybody? <laughs> Everybody's gone! Ah, fuck it! And then when he started taking pictures of his guns, I'm like, okay, now you sell, cause like, some people like, would tell me like, dude, like, cause I'd talk to him about my gun collection, they're like, why don't you ever put pictures of your guns up online? I'm like, because of Ben, I don't want to look like that fucking creepy-ass dude putting pictures <laughs> of my guns up online and looking... Because, like, I got a bunch, you know what I mean? I got some big, scary fuck-off ones, too, you know what I mean? So I don't yep. want to give people the wrong idea. So, like, I just, you know, like, I just... If you want, if you know me, I'll tell you about my guns, and I might show you, show you pictures in person. But, yeah, I'm not going to post them online, because I don't want to look like a creep like fucking Blu-ray Ben did. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. That guy was weird, man. I only got two guns, and they're attached to my arms. Gun A and Gun B. And I kiss them every day. And they're still... Uh, what, happened they're... Rifle? what happened to that little rifle you bought a couple of years back? You got rid of that already? No, that's in, that's in storage in the closet, man. I don't know oh. to talk about that. It's, that's, okay. for, that's in case the zombie apocalypse breaks out during the coronavirus. Because, you know, I'm kind of like upset. I was expecting one of the virus to break out. I thought it was going to be zombies and shit. And I'm like... Invisible threat. That's a little deuce deuce carbine, man. Like, you can kill a rabbit with that. That's probably it. Well, it'll be a big rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll be like, I'll get as close as possible to make that happen. (laughs) I'll tell you that much. I'm actually more of a swords and uh, knives type of guy, so the zombie apocalypse ever came up and actually happened. I'll be the guy with the sword just cutting heads off. Or, you know, sticking yeah. people in the head with, like, knives and stuff. Like, that's more of my move. And, you know, then, then guns. Guns are too quick. You know, like, you know, psh, done. Like, yeah, okay, well, where's the pleasure in that? I'm going to kill a zombie. I'm going to enjoy that shit. I'm going to, like, 
have fun. Yeah, me and my brother used to collect those, man. He's got all ours, though, man. Like, I left those in California. So, like, yeah, I had, like, the um, Highlander katana with the dragon hilt. And, like, oh, the one Sean Connery cool. had. Yeah, I had I had one of those. Um, I had like um, straight up ninja style one with the straight blade, not a curved katana. Yeah. Um, I had um, let's see, I had a Ch- I, I have a Chinese straight sword here with me. That's the only sword like I have. Um, he, I have like a flail, like a morning star flail, uh-huh. which um, just just one ball and one chain. Like I was gonna get this one with that three balls on three chains, but like the one was enough, you know. <laughs> it yeah. just hangs on the wall, anyways. And he's got he's got all that shit though. But I, I I'll ask him see what he's doing with it and be like maybe send it out to you. Maybe you feel a little safer, especially with my Highlander katana. There you there go. Can only be one, man. Yeah, and you never want to have hanging balls on the wall. By the way, what's well, a flail? It's got like, a <laughs> stick and it's got spikes coming out of it, man. Like it's a serious like. It's a morning star, man. It's it's a killing tool. It's not like a ball. I know. It's more know. than that. I know. You you go ahead and do all your your dangling participle balls, whatever. So it's, it's all good, Johnny. <laughs> Five bucks. You know where that reference but, is from, by the way. You've got a dangling participle. <laughs> dangling participle. <laughs> yeah. No idea, right? But um, <laughs> what's up? You don't know where that's from. You've got a uh, it sounds familiar. I, I can't place it. What, what was the uh, Tim uh, Tim Cook? I want to say his name was the guy who uh, was in Home Alone. He was uh, um, one of the famous characters. He was, he was in Critters. The guy from Critters. Remember the uh, the bad guy, the alien from Critters. The 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 heavy metal guy. Like yeah, the dude. That um, what was his name Tim Cook or something? Cook. Tim? No? Well, I'm mistaken on that. I'm excited to be on Critters. I think it was, uh, the, I, I think he says that in Home Alone 2 when it comes out. He says to one of the guys, like, you've got a dangling participle. Oh, see, I haven't seen, I haven't seen that shit in years. For some reason, like, I only remember one line from Home Alone 3, and it's because it's so terrible, I, it just will never leave my mind. The toy car is videotaping me. Like, that's the only line I really remember from Home Alone. Wow. Any of those movies. But Home, Home Alone 3 was just terrible anyways, but like with the remote control car is like videotaping that guy and he says that, the toy car is videotaping me. It's <laughs> like one of those awful things that's just like never going to leave my fucking brain. Damn, hold on. I'm trying to think of the actor's name in the season. I don't think he was in... Uh... No, it's, I'm thinking about Scott Grimes, who was in Critters. That's not the actor. It's not Scott Grimes. It's not Billy Zane. Even though those shout-outs to Billy Zane, he should be, uh, of yeah. course, Lex Luthor. He should Lex be in everything. He should be in everything. Lex Luthor. Hello? Like, how does that not happen? Yeah, how could we not get, like, a sequel to Demon Knight, where, like, that character comes back? Like, Oh, was- dude. Heck yeah. Hundred percent with you on that. I, I don't. I don't care what it is. Just bring that character back in anything, man. On all shit. That was. I think that might be the best character ever played. Yeah, definitely. That was when I really started taking notice, and then like I started realizing, like, oh wow, he was the he was the doofus dork from New York and Critters, and wow, he played the Phantom, and <laughs> he's in all this really. 
He was in Tombstone. He played the the actor guy. That that's crazy. Yep. Yeah, I realized that Billy Zane was in all this stuff that I really hadn't realized. But yeah, the fucking guy just works. By the way, I just got a memo here. Um, you schmuck. I, I think they're, they're talking about me on this one. It's not Tim Cook. It's Tim Curry. That's the actor from Home Alone Two. He was also in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, I yeah, Tim Curry from, and he was in Clue also, um, which that was awesome as well. He also the played Clue. the devil. He also played the devil in Legend, my favorite Ridley Scott film. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was a knight. Oh, uh, Tim Curry's a legend. I can't remember. I can't, can't believe I forgot his name for a second. But he's. If I knew you were talking about Tim Curry. I would have called you a schmuck myself. He wasn't in Critters. What the hell, damn? No, guy? he just looked like the guy. Like, you remember one of the alien dudes? You talk about like the heavy metal singer guy. The guy yeah, I, ca- I, I only know him as Johnny Steele, the name of the character that he played. But like, now. Nah, nah, if I knew you were talking about Tim Curry, I totally would have been like, oh, it's Tim Curry, you schmuck. I'd have beat this guy to the punch. <laughs> no, but, but look at the face and tell me they don't look alike. The teeth. It's the teeth and the curly hair, I'd say, probably, because, like, the guy from Critters kind of has, like, a stretchier face, like a longer. But if, if you look at him at that time period, because remember, Tim Curry's been acting since, like, the 70s, right? He won the first... Yeah, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, well, that, came, that was, what, in 74, 75, around there? 75, I think? So, I mean, he's been around for a long time. He was, he was also in the hunt for Red October in 1990. That's old as hell. Um, you know, he's been around. I mean, he's not a yeah. new actor. Uh, so, I mean, you can look at him from the 70s and 80s and see what he looked like then. Compare him to the, the guy in Critters... There's a resemblance, like that's an easy mistake, uh, and I'm a big Critters fan, so that, that's an yeah. easy mistake. But that's kind of messed up because I'm a big fan of the, of the movie Critters. So did my bad. Watch, did you see the new Critters by any chance? The the one with the kids. No, I stopped when Leonardo DiCaprio came on in Critters. That's when I was like, okay, that's enough. No oh, well, the new one actually wasn't too bad for a reboot. Uh, definitely was like Sci-Fi Channel level, but I think that it um it would do well to the way that they set it up. It would it would it was in a nice way to maybe revitalize it for the franchise for a new generation. But I don't know if anybody else watched it besides me, so my we might have we might have dodged a bullet on that one too. You know what I yeah. mean? Because like you said, after a while, after part two. There's no real reason to watch Critters like three and four. Like if you really want, if you really want to see like ten year old Leonardo DiCaprio, there's Critters three. Yeah. But like that's kind of the only thing that movie has going that's, for it. That's and then pushing four, it. Yeah. And then four, that's Critters in space, and it's kind of like, well, that was kind of the neat thing about the first two films is they were about fucking aliens coming to Earth. Yeah. Like, what's the point of? One thing that cracked me up that I found out is the red-headed guy Malloy from um, the Orville. He's Bradley Brown from Critters. Yeah, I didn't that, know that until that's recently. Grimes. And the, yeah, and I was just like, dude, that's awesome. I'm glad that that guy is like working and he's he's still really funny. He, like, because he's one of my favorite characters on there. I, I remember we we broke that out. I told you that I think on this show, and you were like, "What? No, huh? Okay. Come on, you're lying." No way! And then I heard, which well, means you're on IMDb, and you're like, it's not a lie. Well, because he's like him. so New Jersey on um, 
on Orville, you know what I mean? But in Critters, he was like, you know, you really believable little country kid. But then when you watch him on now, he's like, what's up? I'm from New York. And, you know, I'm like, so or I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> so it, it, it's a bit of a jump. But, like, once you, like, really look at him, you, you should be able to tell. But, yeah, no, I, I, I like when I find out that, you know, somebody that I thought was cool when they were a kid actor from when I was a kid is still working and is doing good work because – I can't wait for season three of uh, Orville to start. I, I'm, and I'm so happy it's going to be on Hulu. You know, I, I hate to, you know, clue you into a little secret here, Johnny, but that is called acting. Well, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people that were in films like that, you never see again. Like, you know, Lance Guest, the guy who played Alex Rogan on in the Last Starfighter, he never really worked after like Jaws Four. You know, you never really saw that guy again. And it, it, he was a good actor. He was really cool. Alex Rogan was like my fucking hero as a kid. I would have watched. You know, I, I'd be thrilled to see him pop back up. But you know, you just don't. So when I do kind of run into somebody that I thought was, you know, cool in films from when I was a kid that are still acting, you know, that's I like it. You know what I mean? It's kind of neat. Well, I mean, that happens to a lot of like young actors. I mean, look at the kid who played uh, Elliot in ET. Like it took him forever. To, get to break there. back in, yeah. yeah. And I honestly, like, one of my favorite movies that he was in, um, where he's kind of like not in the whole thing because it's, you know, not the main character, but he was in Legends of the Fall with Brad Pitt, and I love that movie. Like, that's one of my all-time favorites. And when he, you know, him being in that as a younger brother, I was like, wow, I can't believe the kid from E.T. is in this movie. Like, that's it, that's awesome, you know? And, uh, I mean, that was, uh, when I saw it, I was like, he is really good. Like, that entire movie was fantastic. Uh, have you seen The Legends of the Fall? Uh, yeah, like back when it first came out, like when it was still Oscar bait and shit. Yeah, yeah. Not really, not really my kind of film. Oh, I love that but, movie. Um, but, yeah, no, I remember, I remember he, he never quit trying, though. Like, he, wasn't he in a couple of those really bad um, Psycho sequels that were, like, on Showtime or whatever? Like, yeah. for Showtime? Yeah. 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 He, he kept trying, poor bastard. But it wasn't until what, um, he was, he started working with, um, Scorsese doing stuff like, uh, Gangs of New York, where he kind of really started breaking back in, right? Henry yeah. Thomas? Yeah, Henry Thomas, yeah. You know, and it's funny because, he is such a gifted actor. Like, he's a really good young actor. Like, he's, you know, older now, obviously, but, um, even when I was a kid, he was a great actor in E.T. and, you know, the stuff that he's done, he's always been good. Like, I've never seen him give a bad performance. So I don't know why he's not a, a bigger star. He's a good actor, so. Typecasting. Yeah, everybody saw him as Elliot. Everybody's like, hey, yeah. Elliot. And he's like, I'm 40, damn it. El- Elliot. <laughs> Go home. Right here. <laughs> See, back in the day when he heard, go home, everybody's like, oh, he's referencing E.T. Now it's like casting directors, I mean, they're like, yeah, just go home. And like, we don't want to cast Elliot. Go home. Just leave. Get out of here. But he kept trying. I yeah, I don't I don't get the whole typecasting thing. Like they say the same thing about um Mark Hamill, but like I've actually seen him in some really good movies from around the Star Wars time that um where he could have actually really broke out and been good. Like um he was in The Big Red One, which is a Sam Fuller World War Two movie, which he was phenomenal in and um I don't see how people would have been like, Oh, I can't believe that that's not 
the same guy that played. And then um, he was in another movie called Slipstream with Bill Paxton and Ben Kingsley. It's kind of like this weird sci-fi movie with airplanes where he was the bad guy and he was actually really menacing and fucked up in it. And I thought that I thought that that was a nice kind of like segue from his Luke Skywalker ness, you know, at, at being around the same age as like when Jedi came out. I thought that I don't understand why people wouldn't accept that because like he was he was doing good work in those films. Well, the you know problem, I mean? yeah, but the problem with him was, and it was actually his own fault. He he was turning down big scripts because he didn't want to do the whole typecasting thing. Because every script he got, you know, on his you know desk was Luke in a different setting. It was basically the same thing. Oh, and, and he got in trouble. He got. Because he want he took the sniper kid that was quiet in the army, and because yeah. he took the bad guy in Slipstream, that's that's what buried him. You're saying is he tried yeah. to do other roles and people just didn't like that about it. Oh, yeah, sucks. See, they, they, he did the opposite of what Harrison Ford did. Harrison Ford was he went from Han Solo to Indiana Jones, and like you know that transition from like one hero to another hero, which is still like very. You know, similar in the way they, they talk and the way they, they act and their swagger, you know. And he understood that, look, I'm going to be typecast, but instead of just taking one epic role, I'm going to try to top it with other epic roles. And that way I'm not typecast, it's just Han Solo. I mean, I think Harrison Ford, for as much as he's loved as Han Solo, I would say it's equal and maybe even more as Indiana Jones. Like, I can't see anybody playing Indiana Jones but him. You're going to hate me, but it, it's all Decker for me, man. Decker is where he fucking shines as, as a That's actor. another one. That's, but that's, that's another great, yeah, that's another great role, another great movie that he did. But that, that's what I'm saying. He took different roles over the years. They were very, you know, in line with being the same kind of character-ish, but slightly uh, he, different. He, so he, he gave... No, he was a shady dick in Blade Runner as Decker. I mean, like, he was... Well, he wasn't either. He was quite a bit... But he was a shady dick in Star Wars as Han Solo. I mean, that's... The whole thing is, what I'm saying is, it's similar in tone, but it's different enough that it evolves him as an actor so you can start seeing him in different things and get used to seeing him, like, evolve and do different things. So when he does a movie like The Fugitive, it's not so far off... Han Solo, and you can be like, oh, well, it's Harrison Ford, of course he's going to be able to do something like that, he's showing his range, you know, and then he becomes the biggest star of Hollywood, because he showed his range in the 80s and 90s, playing off of Han Solo, which was really the movie that made him famous, I mean, I know he did American Graffiti, and I was a big hit, but it wasn't his, you know, movie, really. He he was the redneck kid from Patterson that tried to steal... Ron Howard's girlfriend, he wasn't going to get any fans for right. that role. So it wasn't like a role that it was like, you know, his breakout performance. It was good. He was good in it, but that was all Ron Howard. Uh, and George Lucas started that, of course. Uh, but, I mean, when you saw him as Han Solo, that he could have easily ended up typecasting that and never worked on anything else, which is what made Mark Hamill like look stupid because he was getting roles which would have made him a you know, a bigger name, it would have gotten him away from being typecast as just Luke Skywalker. But the fact that he tried to do something completely opposite, all the way, not evolving as an actor, not showing just, you know, light range, he went from, like, night to day, from being the, the upper good guy to bad guy. 
you know, but he to, was doing good work though. I mean, like he was really good in those films. I'm just, I'm just saying though, it's it's kind of unfair because it would be one thing if he tried and he sucked ass at it, but like he he. I thought that he was actually really good in in most of the other films that I've seen from when he was trying to strike out and you know kind of play different kind of characters and it's it, it's a little unfair in my opinion. Eh, maybe, and maybe I'm just being a little bit hard on him because he's kind of like lost me a little bit with this uh, weird politics the last uh, few years. But that eh, maybe I don't know. But uh, look, uh, I'll, you know, go back to Tim Curry real quick. And this is something that a lot of people don't know. He was the first Jigsaw. In um, The Punisher or in Saw or which Jigsaw? Like there's... Neither. He was Jigsaw in National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. How the hell you going there for a second? You know what? I'll never forget that movie though, right? Yeah. I haven't seen it in years, and I still remember all the funniest parts of it. Like, I, I miss when they actually be, used to be able to make quality spoof movies like that, like that one, and then like the Hot Shots movies and the Naked Guns. There's reasons to never forget Loaded Weapon One above and beyond. It has Emilio. Estevez. Emilio. The the one. Estevez Sheen brother who did did I become a complete fuck up and he's the one that gets the most hated on and his career is in the toilet how does that work he's the one normal one he's always been my favorite one you know he was like repo man and Billy the Kid yeah I I mean how's the normal Estevez you know because they're all named Estevez even Charlie Sheen but how's how's the normal one the one who's he can't find a job like he can't work at a gas station this guy and he, Which, yeah, wasn't he directing movies that people loved? Didn't he almost get a uh, Oscar nod for that Robert Kennedy movie he made a couple years ago? Yeah, but that was what like ten years ago. Like how long ago was that? Yeah, but I mean, like he must have really pissed somebody off since then because you don't like fall out of grace that hard, do you? No, actually, that was uh, two thousand and six. That was Bobby. That was old six when that movie came out. So, I mean, yeah, he's been, like, out of the loop. I know, and, and as an actor, I mean, where's he been? Yeah, I haven't seen him act, I haven't seen him act since, what, the first, um, yeah, I don't think I've seen him since the first, what's it called, Mission Impossible. I think that's the last time I saw him in something. Was he even on that? Yeah, he was the Oh, he played Jack. Guy. Yeah, he played Jack. Yeah, yeah, he was like uncredited. It wasn't like a major um, sequence in there, but yeah, he was. That's why I barely remember him in that. But last one we remember him in theaters was like what the Mighty Ducks three. Maybe that was ninety yeah. six. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, he kind of just like dropped off, and well, at least he's not being all weird and crazy like. Um... Randy Quaid not like being deported from Canada and all kinds of things. At least like at least like Emilio's just like quiet. You don't know what's going on with him. You know what I mean? Like you you, you could be terrified of him. Like I, with Randy, what's going on with Randy Quaid right now? So I got a soft part for Emilio though, because you know he was Billy the Kid and the best Billy the Kid of all in Young Guns One and Two. I uh, you know I love westerns and those are my two like top. Western movies of like the modern era. From, I'm talking about like the the eighties and nineties to now. Like to me, the Young Gun movies are like still the best. And, like I, I can sit down and watch uh, them. 
No problem. They're at, at top. I have to give like Tombstone in there too, a couple others, but yeah, like at least the first Young Guns is really quality film. Oh, the second so one, good. the second one's totally because like the the first one's at least backed up historically pretty yeah. well. It, the second one's complete fantasy, so I guess I kind of write it hard for that. But all in all, it, it, it's a it's a it's a fun film. I well, guess the second one is. Not so much fantasy, because there was talk that Billy the Kid escaped the the so-called shooting, the one, you know, uh, when he was... When Pat uh, Garrett came yeah. in and killed him in his sleep? They, supposedely, he, Pat Garrett never, like, shot him. He actually let him escape. Uh, so there is there is a uh, tr- little truth behind the movie where there was a, a guy who did an interview, there's a time about, like, in the 30s or 40s, who claimed to be Billy the Kid... And that Pat Garrison never shot him. That's an actual true claim. There's even a photo of the guy, the, the old ass picture of, of him. That's where they based that second one on, on those claims. Like, if, let's say if that was a real Billy the Kid, that really happened. That's what that story was based on. Um, okay. it's, it's not 100% fantasy. And the sequence of the stuff that happens in the movie, it's kind of based off, like, the story that, that guy came out with, and some of like the mythology of like the the not so dead Billy the Kid. Because remember, um, I don't think there was even like an official like autopsy or body or anything done with Billy the Kid. Like they just got rid of him. Like yeah, Billy the Kid's dead, very mysteriously. You know, like one of those. And, yeah. uh, and, and there was like no idea of the body. They took Pat Garrison on his word that he shot him and killed him. That was the end of it. So, um, and, and, and back in the old days in the West, I mean, if you were buddies, and him and Garrison weren't like complete enemies at, at one point. No, they so. were they were actually good friends. That's why everybody yeah. was kind of pissed that Pat Garrett killed him because, like, he, that's how he was able to just like walk in there at night when the dude's sleeping and wasn't stopped. That's why it's so like weird, and that that to me is one of the the first conspiracies that we had in this country. Where, like the murder of the kid was he killed by Pat Garrett? Was he not killed? Was he allowed to live? Did he escape? Did was he did he fake his death like a lot of celebrities now? You know they claim they faked their death. Was he like their first Elvis who faked his death? We don't know, uh, but that's kind of like what they based that sequel on. I think it still worked because, you know, it, he starts off as an old man, but then he goes back in dream sequence and he's, like, telling the story. So you get to see, like, you know, the events of what happened after the first movie. And you get to see, like, to the point where Pat Garrett goes in there. And we got that awesome Bon Jovi theme song. What was the name of that song? Fuck <laughs> Dude, that's... What was that song Bon Jovi did for that? It was, uh, um, it rocked, man. It was it, one, of, one of... That was the biggest hit of the year. Um, let's see, I remember the name. And he had a lot of, man, he had a lot of movie, a lot of really good tunes in the 80s, uh, Bon Jovi. Uh, Blade of, was it Blades of Glory? Blades Might of, be. Yeah, I think it was Blades of Glory. Yeah, yeah, I remember the, the lyrics. I'm gonna do a little singing, I know you love my singing on the show. I think it was, <laughs> I think it went down something like, Going down in the Blades of Glory! Man. <clears throat> That's my best Bon Jovi. Going down. I don't think it does that part, but down. But I sound like a cat, like getting screwed in the, in the buttocks there. I don't know what's going on there. In a blaze. 
days of glory. I know that's not maybe, a maybe. tune at all, but it's close. Maybe you might end up in the musical Cats. You keep that up. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a cat who just got spayed and neutered at the same time. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's 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 not like fun for the cat. No. No. No, none of my cats ever seem, like, very happy with me when I bring them home from that. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, like, nobody enjoys that. <laughs> I bet you, if you, like, you, you take your, your male cat for the first time out, you know, he's never been out the house, and he's all excited. He's like, oh, man, I'm good to leave the house, and he's got me in this weird cage, and he's going to take me in. What is this big machine-looking thing? And then he stuck the car, and the cat's all amazed, and... Then they sing, you know, he's in a, in a clinic somewhere. He's like, ooh, what are these new people in this fancy room? Hey, look, he's petting me. What a nice guy. And then he, like, somehow, like, falls asleep and doesn't know how or why. He's not even asleep. He just does. And then, like, two seconds later, he wakes up. But an hour or two have passed. He looks down and his balls are missing. Yeah, and that cat will never look at you the same way again, bro. All, the, the way they look at you through the cage on the way home, yeah, man, like it's, it's utter betrayal. At least, and the only thing I can tell them is, hey, I can never do it to you again. It's <laughs> never going to happen. Again. That's the one thing I can promise you, buddy. I'm sorry, but at least you know it can never happen to you again. At least you, you look at a cat and be like pussy, and he'd be like, I can't argue. <laughs> Can't argue. <laughs> Can't argue that fact. Uh, so we'll, we'll go back to the, let's go back to the movie because we never uh, finally like you know settled on our score here for Bloodshot, and uh, I'm gonna give it a, a eight out of ten. What, what's your uh, out of ten? What's your score? And I mean, I, I, and I'm going a heavy eight by the way. I'm like leaning towards nine because I really like the movie a lot. Uh, the only reason I gave it a slight, you know, is some. Uh, the only reason I say eight and not a nine or even a ten is just because some of the cast wasn't as good as you know, like the main core of the cast, which is Guy Pearce, Vin Diesel, uh, the girl from Alita, Lisa Gonzalez. Like those characters were all awesome. The girl played Gina. She was great. But some of the other members of the cast are a little bit hit and miss for me. Um, that's the thing that kind of like takes me off of it a little bit. The, the intro of the movie is a little bit, you know, weird. But once it picks up, and about, I would say about 10 minutes in, you're glued. You can't stop watching that movie. It's It, it gets really, really good from that point on. That's the only thing that keeps it from being a nine for me. Now for yeah, you. I'd, I'd... I'd have to give you. I have to give it the pretty much the exact same score, for um pretty much the exact same reason. Like like um I said, like even if I try to hold it up as an adaptation to the comic, it um it did its job, and um like I said, like why should Valiant be held to a higher standard than say Marvel and DC do with when they revamp the origins for their characters? So I can't really get mad at um you know bloodshot for taking the same kind of detours and um you know hurry up points as say like iron man did so uh, so as a comic book fan i will say that the film is very serviceable and it does its job wonderfully um vin diesel as ray was actually a pretty good choice because he's not really a character that has very much personality like i said he's kind of like 
if you mix Wolverine with the Punisher, that's what Bloodshot is. And it's kind of the situations that he gets into that drive the fascination with what's going on with him more than you, you actually care about what him or what's happening to him. So, yep. um, and Vin Diesel's the kind of actor that, you know, can play that character and actually maybe inject a little more, um, uh, charisma into him than say like he is on paper so um i'd say all in all that um they brought him to life very well and um like you said the the, the setup to the film like the first 15 minutes mm-hmm. i was a little i was a little worried too i was just kind of yeah. like man this seems so samey it, it's leaning really heavily on it kind of reminded me of like one of those old uh, joel schumacher movies yes that, like michael bay used to direct yes like like uh, fucking Con Air, one of those the way it started. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but then when when you finally get to the first time, like he gets reset, you're just kind of like, oh, you motherfuckers, it's, you got it's me. gonna be on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got me now. It's gonna be on now. So yeah, and so yeah, good night. Almost nine out of ten is is right where I sit with it. And to me, that's fine for an origin movie. I mean, you're never gonna get. I, I, it's very rare. I'm not gonna say never because some origin movies are great and epic. And they're as good as any sequel. Uh, but you almost rarely, with it, with, especially with a comic book movie, when it's in origin the first time, you're rarely going to get one that's a 10. It, it, it hardly happens. Uh, even the movie I loved, like Shazam, I gave it a 9. And I loved Shazam. See, the, well, the best thing about this is, is the Valiant Universe it's so small and it's so new. Even when Jim Shooter originally launched it in the nineties, yeah. like it barely had enough time to gain a canon. So mm-hmm. now it's been back and it's ran for, I don't know, about eight years now. Yeah. So like th- there is a canon to Bloodshot, but it's not set in stone and it's not as huge and convoluted and been retconned and rebooted a thousand times like you had with Shazam or Superman or Iron Man or Thor and all these other characters. So Bloodshot, you can really kind of play around with his origin and not have it mess with the canon because it's not officially really set yet. It's, mm-hmm. it's such a new universe with a new character that um, it's really kind of a neat, a nice thing to kind of have, be able to do with a smaller upcoming label like Valiant. Mm-hmm. And um, I really hope that they kind of take off and do this more because they have a really cool roster of heroes. Like, I know that they they want to do a Harbinger film next, which should be really cool. Harbinger's kind of um, I don't know, Fantastic Four X Mini type mm-hmm. of thing. So that that could be kind of cool. But I really really hope they do Ninjack. Ninjack's like Batman or Daredevil meets James Bond, but as a ninja. And I nice. think that if they cast if they cast right and they film it as neat and as smart as they shot Bloodshot and write it that good, I think that like with um as soon as Ninjak comes out, they will have like a a founding for their universe and they can kind of keep on making these films because they have I, I love the Valiant universe. It is probably my favorite superhero universe in comics right now. <laughs> I'm enjoying a lot of what DC's doing, but it can't hand, it can't hold a candle to most of what Valiant's got going on. Valiant is just, like I said, it's so fresh and so fun. And the neat thing is, is they don't really try too hard to pander. The, the character, the stories are almost written old style, but with the oomph of like new school. So like you get the hard hits, but you're also still getting like some kind of, um, almost, uh, Kirby style universe building underneath it and it's it's working very good for them well one thing i do like about valiant and uh and it's 
because it's more modern, I guess you you probably I could probably say that. Uh, but it's not like when you first had DC come out, where a lot of the characters were very goofy and campy, even in comics. Mad uh, Scientist era, yeah, like yeah. DC came out of the pulp era, so everybody was a detective right. or a mad scientist or like a science hero, you know, made by a mad scientist. So yeah, there was a lot of camp, a lot of pulp, and yeah. everything involved with it. There's none of that with Valiant. Valiant is more like hardcore, to, you know, in your face, modernized. See, you know, and, and a lot of them are like not even superheroes. They're like more anti-superheroes, superheroes, um, which I think works better for the modern era anyway. Uh, which is another reason why I, I like some of like you know the more modern Batman stuff than the older stuff, because I uh, you know the, the Dark Knight era and when that you know came in and that became more of a standard for Batman. He kind of leaned more towards that grittier version of Batman. I know you you're into the campy stuff also in the uh, the old TV show. And, no no no. Well, I, but, I like the old TV show, but as far as reading goes, I agree with you. I like post crisis hardcore yeah. Batman better than pre crisis. Um, eat your vegetables, brush your teeth, Batman in the comics. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm not into that Batman and Robin. All that's not my style. Uh, you know, this uh, Valiant has always been something like that. I, I see them and I'm like. Why wasn't Blade in Valiant? Because that that character fits more, I would think, like this comic book, you know, uh, publisher than even Marvel. If you tell me Blade is part of the Valiant family, I'd believe that. You know, like you know, something like that. If you, if you like the Blade movies and you like, uh, you know, those kind of like stories, Valiant has a little bit more of that kind of grit, a little bit more hardcore. Uh, not campy. Um, there's yeah, you know, it's just a little bit yeah, more um, modern. If you're listening to this and you've seen the um, Bloodshot movie, if you're yeah. going to go into the comic books, and especially if you're going to start where I did with like say like the Jeff Lemire or the Dwayne Cesarinski run, um, expect it to be more like the movie Logan yes. with Hugh Jackman because that that's basically a lot like how the character is. He's always on the road. Yeah. It's always just almost constantly raining shit on him. There are always people that are stronger than him and better than him after him. And um, I, honestly, like, his comics read more like the movie Logan yeah. than any book I've ever read. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right and on down. that. Now, here's a, a, a question that I, I want to pose to you, because, you know, we know what we're going through with, uh, the you know, the hidden nightmare that is the uh, the beer virus. Uh, we, we all know this movie unfortunately got tackled with coming out at a very difficult time. And uh, I think it's only brought in about $10 million domestically in an opening a weekend of, what, $9 million? Not its own fault. Okay, I, I'm not blaming the movie because it's a good movie. Uh, it played in limited theaters because everything's closed, right? And played, I think, like 2,000 some theaters. It was supposed to be like a 4,000 theater release or 3,000 something. So they, they were supposed to play it here, but they closed the theater, so I couldn't yeah. go see it. I, otherwise, I was totally going to go see it. Now, the movie, it will probably, it, worldwide, it's like $28 million for the week, which is a week's loss, obviously, because of what's going on. Had a small budget of $45 million. I think it, it now I'm going to ask you, but personally, if it gets to at least $40 million overall on this entire run, I would say it merits a sequel just because of the time that it came out in. But what do you think? Do you think they're going to do a sequel to this, even though considering it's not making money and it's going to end up being a loser at the box office? Obviously, with video on demand and 
all the other things are going to end up recouping the budget, but it's not going to be like a blockbuster where they're going to have like an excess well, amount of money to you know, play with. Well, well, they've released it on demand in a way that's almost um, supposed to replicate a theater ticket. Like it's a $20 buy. It's a limited rent. Ah. Um, you don't get to... So um, I, I don't know how they're going to be able to tally all that because, like you said, they're offering it through so many different services. So I think, but I think that they're going to try to total up um, how many rents it got over the first mm. couple of weeks to see to kind of, but um, at least guesstimate how much it would have made if it was released properly in the theaters. Because, it, like I said, this is a Sony film; they don't really yeah. have the best luck or track record with superhero films, anyway. They don't. But yeah. what sucks for them is if this would have gotten released and word of mouth would have gotten around, I think that this would have did gangbusters because this yeah. one is actually on par with the last two Spider-Man films they've put out. So, oh, easily, like, yeah. I mean, it didn't have as big of set pieces, but at least came out, it looked as good and was as flashy. But, yeah, I mean, I think that it definitely was a, was better than Venom. Oh, and yeah. I would say that, I, and I'd say it could compete with either the Tom Holland Spider-Mans. So, um, I, so I, I really hope Word of Mouth gets strong for this. And, um, yeah, I, I've been posting all over trying to get everybody I know to VOD it because I really like it. And I really want to see the Valiant Universe get a proper shake in, in film because I think that I, I love a lot of their characters. I'd like to see more of them brought out into live action. Mm. You know, I'd like to see live wire yeah. and maybe even get to the point where they're doing futuristic versions because one of my, my favorite Valiant character is a character called Ray and he's like from the year 4001 in New, Jap- New Tokyo and he's basically built off of Ray and live wire's old parts. Really cool, really badass cyberpunk comic which i think would make a just a fucking badass film if they had enough money and the right people working on it and maybe one day sony could have maybe gotten to that point or still can if you know just just check this out it's worth your time if you even have a passing interest in comic books or action films you should just enjoy the hell out of this film on principle because it just works it does what it's supposed to do and exceeds at it I'm surprised they didn't hold off on this and push it back. I mean, it came out on March 13th. Um, so, I mean, it, it, they easily could have said, you know what, let's wait to the, uh, the whole virus thing quiets down a little bit. I'm surprised they didn't do it because this is, this is supposed to lead into the summer of blockbusters. Like, this was going to be the first summer blockbuster movie that comes out and then like everything else is going to be ushered after that, like James Bond and everything else. And they pushed that back. Um, probably indefinitely at this point, who knows. Uh, but I'm surprised that they just wiped this from the, the slate and were like, you know what, we'll wait till next year and release it next summer or something like well, that. A lot of these companies are field testing the ideas of um, releasing films straight to um, VOD, seeing if there, there's a market for that. So I think that this was Sony's attempt to seeing it, how well they'd fare. That's why... Um, a lot. Some of these companies are doing this out of altruism, mm-hmm. out of like you know, like hooking people stuck at home up with something cool to watch. Because, but they're also field testing to see if this is a viable market, and if they can release some movies in theaters and on VOD at the same time and recoup money doubly. You know, it's it's kind of the beginning of that. So. It's it's a marketing ploy, so um, and I think that I guess Sony f- figured this one was a decent enough one to take 
first gamble on. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't tell you. I'm not. I'm not a retard like um, what's her name, Amy Pascal, <laughs> or um, what's his name, Tom Rothman. The two morons that were driving that con- company into the ground. I can't tell you their thought process, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it had something to do with that. Well, we got to give them at least a little props. I mean, this came out good, so. Yeah, it was really good. Whoever they hired to make this film, they should hire for more more stuff. Like, I really hope that some of the people involved in this work on Venom too, because if the fight between Venom and Carnage look half as good as the elevator fight scene in oh, this, yeah, yeah, Venom Two is gonna fucking kick ass. And I liked Venom. I, I really enjoyed Venom. I yeah, enjoyed I liked- it a lot. Let me tell you, I really liked that. I was surprised by that. Yeah, I went into the movie with no expectations. I mean, none. And not even trash. I got. I got. Zero expectations. I thought it was going to be like a disaster. I thought it was going to be out of there in about 10 minutes and then <laughs> spit on the poster and just like never want to see it again. And I, I, I loved that movie. Like I, I just, the, you know, it was funny. Um, it was different. Uh, Tom Hardy is, you know, the man. It was trashy and it needed to be. They exactly. They actually made it trashy. And it, it ended up working perfectly for him. Like it was like the greatest accident ever. They actually made you know, a trash film that ended up becoming the best thing possible. And then they had Woody Harrelson show up as Carnage, and I'm just like, I can't on. wait for part two now. And you know, like, the Woody as Carnage, bring that, that shit on. You don't, you don't have Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson in the same movie. I mean, come on, <laughs> fighting each other. Yeah. You know, like and once Carnage, once Venom. Like you, that's a that's a no brainer. Like. That's going to be a blockbuster, like, you know, from the moment go. And Venom made, what, a billion at the box office? Or close to it, right? Yeah, it's um, definitely gave Sony enough balls to think that they could take Spider-Man away from Disney and get away with it. Man. <laughs> like, And then the mouse, who's the biggest gangster of all, came out, and he was like, Uh-uh, Sony, you're not taking this one away. Uh-uh, me and Minnie, we're going to make that happen. <laughs> well, you know, well, like, there's going to be a third Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, and he's going to show up in um, Captain Marvel 2. But after that, the contract's done for the most part. They're going to have to renegotiate again, which, from what you saw, either Disney's going to want Sony to bend over for him, which they're not going to do because they still believe because Venom made a billion dollars and um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse won an Oscar. They think that like that no matter what they make now, it's going to be gold. But they might be right, man. Like... I- I'm actually really surprised by those Mobius movie um, trailers. That actually yeah. was pretty good. I don't even like Jared Leto, and I don't even like the character Morbius, and I'm just like, wow. The Morbius living vampire movie actually looks pretty lit. I'm a, uh, a fan of Jared Leto. I'm going to bring this out, and, and, and I'm going to shock the world with this, because I'm a, a fan of his previous work. I hated him as Joker. You know that. I've you know, we've discussed this before. I thought it was ridiculous the way he looked. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous the way they, they wrote the character. He just he was an utter buffoon in the in the, in the uh, movie yeah, the the uh, Suicide Squad. I mean, they completely butchered the character. And I was excited awesome. when I, I you think so, but I I don't. I, when I first saw that they cast him, just when they cast him before the image came out with like you know, all the goofy tattoos on the face and all that, when they just said, "Hey, we got Jared Leto to play Joker," I was like, "That's fucking." Awesome! That's brilliant. It's a great character, great actor, amazing. And and he had just come out of like what winning an Oscar for playing a train, and I was like, okay, that's fine. But 
it, you know, it worked for Heath Ledger. He came out of, you know, playing a gay cowboy, and he was awesome as the Joker. Then maybe they're going to strike gold again on this one. And then I actually saw him as Joker, and I was like, what the hell is this? Like, I'd rather Joker get... was way better than Jared Leto's. I mean, like, Jared Leto's was way better than Heath Ledger's. No, no, you got that right the, right the first time. No, hey, I got it. I'll tell you this one. They both got one movie out of it only. One died. That's the only reason why I got only one movie. But he won a fucking Oscar. The other one never got a sequel. Just because it sucked that bad. So, just saying. Yeah, but, like, at least my boys Rick Flagg and Captain Boomerang are going to be in the sequel. And that's, a, that's enough for me. Like, I don't really need the Joker in part two. As long as, as long as I get Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flagg again. Like, that dude, he should be the Agent Coulson for the DC movies. He should be in every single one of them. Yeah. Like, and surprised Rick Flagg, about, they brought him, they brought him, shocking they brought him back too because, I mean, he, like, he failed, uh, previously with the Robocop. And a lot of people are like, you know, when they when they make a big movie like that, and they're like the big star of the movie, and it flops, usually they, they kind of like, you know, like stop working with them. Look what happened to the... Uh, the thing is, is he got um he got really big um fan boost when he did Alter Carbon for Netflix. He's become a really huge star from doing that. So, like, a lot of people... Yeah. That's kind of how I became a... I, well, I liked him as Rick Flagg, and then I watched Alter Carbon, and I was kind of like, you know, Joel Kinnaman's actually pretty cool, even if he was a shitty RoboCop. <laughs> it's, yeah, I like RoboCop, the remake. So go figure. And I, and I even said that, I thought he was really good in that. I, I've liked, uh, you know, him in a, a bunch of stuff, but it's surprising because a lot of actors, when they, they're given that kind of, like, star role, and, and the movie just doesn't do well. Hollywood doesn't forgive you. They stop working with you. I mean, look what happened in John Carter with another really good actor. Yeah, dude. Um, Taylor, Taylor Kitsch. Kitsch. That kid's actually really talented. Like, yeah. I've actually seen him. He's actually kind of getting some buzz back. He, like, won an award for playing David Koresh on TV last year. So, like, I'm, he might be get, making a comeback. But he's never been the same. And it's it's weird because... He's a, and again, like you said, he's a very talented actor. He was not his fault. He was in uh, X Men Wolverine: The Origin. You know, not the, not the he good was good one. as Gambit, though. He was, and actually, he would have been great as Gambit in, in a solo movie by himself, but or in an X Men team movie. But uh, for whatever reason, they they were like, okay, no, no more. Yeah, they put the whole family. film on him. Yeah, like, like we'll keep making crappy Wolverine movies, but yeah. Taylor Kitsch, you ruined it. You're not going to be in it anymore. It's like, and he was literally, like, parts. What are you talking about? No, literally, he was the best thing in that movie. Him and Wolverine and his brother, obviously, because, you know, Sabretooth and Wolverine, that relationship was awesome. Especially, like, the first uh, act of the movie was really good. Yeah, then the it's first kind of five minutes of the film when it was just Sabretooth and Wolverine going through the wars, oh, like, if that was great. the whole film... That would have been one of that would have been the greatest superhero movie ever made. Yeah. But tragically, it's only the first five minutes of one of the worst films ever made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it really goes completely into the toilet after the sequence where they they shoot up the barn and they kill the old folks that are helping them out. And you're yeah. like, oh, why did they kill the old people? They're so cool. You know, they were nice. And the rest of the movie's like, what the hell, man? Like, how do you do that to Wolverine? Like, how do you make? The, how do you do that to Deadpool? One name, man. Tom Rothman. The guy fucking hated it. He wanted to kill the entire... He, he hates superhero movies. 
Like, that's why he tried to do the same thing at Sony, but they shut him down because they had too much money invested in it. But at Fox, he almost got away with murdering off the X-Men franchise. He he hated superhero movies. He didn't want to make them. And, like, he mandated most of that stuff that actually happened in the Wolverine movie, like um, covering Deadpool's mouth and all that. Yeah, Tom Rothman's a fucking menace, dude. I mean, was he working for Disney or some crap? Or was, was he trying to no, get rid of, like, Fox? Was, was he undercover, like, a hitman for Disney? Like, what's going on there? Cause, no, I mean, he, was, he was in charge of Fox, and he wanted them to be making, like, Oscar bait films instead of pouring all this money into doing Wolverine movies. And it's like, people want to watch Wolverine, though, man. Like, you can still make your Oscar fucking movies. No one's yeah. going to stop you. Not only that, Fox paid a lot of money for the rights to uh, to be able to do those X Men movies, which at the end doesn't really matter because Disney bought Fox anyway, so it doesn't. Yeah, at the end of the day, it yeah, doesn't matter. But it, it ended up being an uphill war. But yeah, like, I don't even know how much uh, in the long run there for a while that Fox was paying premiums on those rights to keep them out of Marvel's hands. Yeah, and uh, you know it's funny because. A lot of people complained uh, with Star Wars when that, you know, when the Disney bought the uh, Lucas brand. They're like, "Yeah, we're finally going to be able to get to see the original trilogy in its original form and without the special edition." And Disney was like, "No, no, no, we can't hear that. Yeah, we can't, we can't even touch that." And everybody's like, "Wait, what? You guys own this shit. That's what we all want." No, no, we can't release that. Well, why not? Uh, Fox, Fox. the original VHS copies that are the only versions of those that are, exist. Yeah, yeah. Fox. Uh, well, they, there's the print working version, like the big prints. There's the oh, Lucas. You had them. That's how he was able to make the uh, the, the special editions in the nineties because he found the work print for the original three movies, and he was able to clean them up and stuff. But Fox owns the rights to the original theatrical release and distribution of those movies. What they don't own is characterizations, the overall licensing, all that stuff, everything that's done uh, when it comes to merchandising, they never own that. Um, Lucas was, of course, the owner of anything going forward when it came to prequels or sequels, but the original trilogy, the way they were in theaters distributed, was owned by Fox, or co-owned by Fox. It was Fox and, and Lucasfilms. But because of the Lucasfilms co-ownership, Fox owned the other part. Fox, as soon as uh, Lucas sold to Disney, they were like, they stuck the middle finger on. They were like, all right, Disney, you're going to take away our, car, our cash cow? We're not letting you take anything away. You can't use CB- this. CBS had a hand in it, too, because I'm, I'm looking at my OG copies of the VHSs, and it says CBS Fox on it. So, like, yeah. like they, even CBS's TV had hands, like, on the, on the distribution at some point, which is weird to think of. I guess they had telev- televised rights for it. I'm not sure that, how that worked. Well, CBS Fox, uh, they did. Um, I think they helped them with. Remember, Fox was like a, a a baby company in the '80s. They were like really just starting out, so they were like more to helping them distribute movies and put them together. So it was CBS Fox that originally came out to distribute movies, and then as Fox the network became a bigger thing, they left. Uh, partnering up with CBS, but originally CBS Fox is a partnership, and then okay. Fox kind of like started doing their, th- their own thing. What really did it for Fox was the TV network, more than even the, the Fox films, because Fox has been doing movies for a while as 
you know, Fox movies before the, the network TV came out. But when they had the Tracy Alban show with the Simpsons uh, skit on it, and then Fox was like, oh, we want to do our own network. We want to use that as the basis for the network, that cartoon. That's what blew them up. And that, that's what made Fox, Fox Network. Before that, they were just a, a shitty distributing company. They worked with CBS and a bunch of different companies. They, they did run TV there in the um, mid ni- early to mid-90s, man. They had The Simpsons, they had X-Files, they had Batman the Animated Series. Married they, with they Children. They had Star Trek, Next Generation up on there. Married with Children. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The best so, yeah, comedy ever. You. Best comedy ever, Married with Children. That's Al Bundy, you know? I, remember, I, I never watched that. I was a little too young at the time. But, like, I remember a lot of people really liked that show when I was a kid. Dude. Actually, even more than The Simpsons, I think Married with Children is the reason why Fox... Well, I believe it. That guy that played Al Bundy is one of the funniest guys ever. Like, I, I, I really enjoy his humor. I, I'm surprised I never watched that show. Ed O'Neill, yep. Yeah, he's he's insane, man. He's legit funny ass dude. Pig, <laughs> a fat woman stormed into the uh, shoe store today. No, but you know what's funny about him? He was a serious dramatic actor before he did Married with Children. You'll never believe this by looking at that show or his work after. He's done all comedy ever since, from movies to TV. His uh, family uh, movie, TV show that he does now, Modern uh, Family. Comedy, so it's like playing out Bundy in a modern sense. You know? I, I believe it, man, because like if you think about it, like um, that's what like Leslie Nielsen and Lloyd Bridges yep. and those guys—they were all serious actors until they did Airplane and P- Peter Graves and all those guys. None of them actually ever did comedy until then. And the next thing you know, like all they—they they, they ended up being like the funniest fucking people of the seventies, you know, yep. into the eighties. Well, Ed O'Neill was a stage actor, and in fact, the guy they originally picked to play um, Al Bundy was decent. I can't remember his name, but he was decent, but he wasn't Al Bundy. You know, there was, there's a, a certain point when you look at a character, and the actor might be nailing the role, he might be good, but it's not that guy. You know, and that happened even in Back to the Future with Marty McFly, where you had uh, Eric Stoltz, great actor. He was good. I seen some of the footage, but he's not. Oh, I heard not. everybody say that he was kind of creepy, though. He like, kind it of was, like Marty it, McFly, kind of like devious and kind of like off-putting. No, it wasn't creepy or off-putting. What it was, it, it was too serious for the character. Oh, okay. That, because he's just more of a serious dramatic. You've seen him in anything. Um, he's just more of a serious actor. So when he did the original, like I think he did like half of Back to the Future. Like He shot yeah, a lot they, of that movie, real- yeah. They, they, I think they filmed three months before they brought in, which is a lot to reshoot, man. Yeah. So the, the, the pretty much ninety percent of the movie was redone with uh with Michael, Michael J. Fox. Fox. Yeah, but when 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 they went back and saw the dailies on Back to the Future and they saw Eric Stoltz, everybody was like, "Oh, he's really good," but he's really too serious. And we're trying to go for a, more of a family fun time travel type of thing, and they originally always wanted Michael J. Fox. The only reason they didn't get him, uh, because he was on Family Tides, the TV show. And and they were filming, he couldn't get the time off, right? Well, that, and also, funny enough, and I interviewed the the guy who played his father a long time ago in the the movie Teen Wolf, because of Teen Wolf, he couldn't do Back to the Future originally, because he was filming that, and he was 
pissed. He hated the fact that he had to do Team Wolf. Hated it. And I, in fact, uh, James Hanton, uh, you know, kind of off here told us a little, like, you know, a couple of stories of uh, the set. And he said that, you know, Michael, uh, well, he was great with the cast. He was, you know, he was a pleasure to work with. Everybody loved being around him. He was always, you know, cracking jokes. And it was fun. When they had, like, conversations, you know, on the side, he would literally, like, say how, like, upset he was that he had to turn down Back to the Future because he knew that was going to be the big hit. Like, he just... He, he knew it. I mean, you know? he worked through that shit too, because like he was amazing in Team Wolf. That, I, yeah. that's actually that's actually my favorite Michael J. Fox movie. I mean, I like, actually like it better than personally back than Back to the Future. But yeah, no, that's kind of neat. I didn't know that like he was like kind of pissy the entire film because you yeah. couldn't tell. I mean, he he put his all into it. He was as most charming and everything in that film. Plus, he's not an athlete. He was playing basketball in that movie. Yeah, just that, like was a wolf. The, that was kind of the one thing. Is they, you know? fa- they found the littlest guy in the fucking world to be a basketball yeah. star. I the mean, guy, even the 80s, yeah. this wasn't believable, guys. G- Gary Coleman from Different Strokes looking at the TV and being like, come on, really? I'm taller than this cat. Come on. Come on. <laughs> what my living is, he's like, I'm, I weigh more than this guy. Come on. Really? Uh, and I love Michael J. Fox. He's you know he's a, he's a hero. I mean I love the guy, but you know he was a little, a little bit small for basketball. Let's just be honest. Little well, well, he's not Muggsy Bogues. He would get crushed in the NBA. But you know he was great at Team Wolf, and, and James Hampton was great. In fact, I would say in the in the eighties he was like the the prototypical or pro, you know prototype father figure in movies. After yeah. the Teen Wolf, like you, you look at like, it, that's it. That it was, was like the '80s version of the dad from American Pie, kind of. That's kind of, yes, yeah, yeah kind of like that. And in fact, even Teen Wolf Two, when he played the uncle, and he was like only in the beginning of the movie, maybe a little bit. Of the, uh, if I remember right, the end he comes out, I think also, but it was mostly the beginning, and he was great in that. And we talked about that, and even he thought it was going to be a bigger movie, and I was like. How did that movie fail? I liked that. I thought Team Wolf 2 was decent. It wasn't great. It wasn't as good yeah. as the first one. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a decent Bateman fan anyway. Me too. But yeah, yeah. Even, even being a fan of his, I got to say that that's some of his better work from the, when he was a kid. And it's not as good as the first one, but like, I don't, it was I, fun. I don't even know. If, I don't even know if they got Michael J. Fox back and they tried really hard. They could make a movie as good as the first Teen Wolf. I mean, that's nah. like in a bottle type shit. Like, look at Back to the Future. I know there's a lot of people that try to say that the entire trilogy is good, but honestly, two and three don't hold a candle to part one. In I don't story. know. I have a soft spot for part two because it go to the future and it's nothing like it is now. But you know that the whole flying cars sequence and the uh, the boots that you know out of lace and. You know, the, the double ties, you know, the, uh, there's so much, like, you know, goofy, campy stuff that you look at there, and you're like, well, some of that is real, some of it, you know, doesn't happen. But, I mean, it, and to me, back then as a kid, that was the most fun of the three. When you're a kid and you watch the three movies, you're always going to have more fun in the second one, just because of the fact of the flying cars, the hoverboard, all that, you know, all the, the toys they, they, they thought of. Uh, for that movie, but I, I agree with you. The first one was, you know, as, as story-wise goes, the more solid one of the three. Um, you know, the third one was kind of Russian, even though it was uh, a western. And I love western, you know, and the one back to the old west. But it, it almost felt like, okay, we've been here. 
Menorah. We're, we're just going to do the same jokes, but with cowboys. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of like, okay, you know, let's try something different, guys. And I, as the only big difference was Deanna now to train instead of a DeLorean. Whoopee. You know, I could have done without that. Even though there's always that one creepy moment where one of the uh, kids, uh, one of Doc's kids, has that moment where he's, like, pointing out his penis. I don't know if you've ever seen that. And it, it almost looks like he's trying to tell somebody, he's like, I gotta go pee. I got, I got to pee real bad. Like somebody, can I go pee right now? I know we're in the movie, but can I go pee? Because he's like he's doing some weird pointing, like his generals. I'm like, can I get a, can I get a cut, please? <laughs> he's like, what's that all about? Like, it's I don't know if you ever seen that. It's just a bizarre. And as a director, I don't know how the director like didn't like cut that out of the movie. Like, what would you leave that in there? It's just weird. Uh, Zemeckis liked it. He thought it was. Weird. <laughs> he's like that. Boy, penis is gonna make us 150 million at the box office. I tell you right now. And one day, Star Wars is gonna have a broom boy, and it's gonna be epic. And he's not gonna point at his junk. But no, he's, he's just gonna make the movie junk. That's that's about it. That's all. Oh, <laughs> uh, the broom boy didn't make the movie junk. Actually, I I I, I don't have any problems at all with Last Jedi. Now, the Crossing of Jay Walker is the movie that, like, really needed to not make as many mistakes as it did. I still like the film. I don't hate it. It's, oh, hold on. It, it, was, it was utterly disappointing, though. Hold on. Let me stop you right there, because you gotta, you gotta admit that the entire Kento Bite Casino, whatever sequence, is utter rubbish. No, I like, the, I like the part with the little Leonardo DiCaprio alien thinking the BB-8 was a slot machine. I thought that was cool, and I, that was great to see Leonardo DiCaprio in a Star War. I was like, cool. <laughs> like, tell me that little fucker didn't look like Leonardo DiCaprio. A little bit, yeah, yeah, before the accident. Uh, <laughs> pre the accident, you know, the other. I think it was called The Beach. That was the accident. <laughs> that, was that was a fucking terrible movie. Oh, my God. Um, I did like him in Shutter Island, though. Kind of a little off topic there. That was a good movie, but yeah, no, it's nothing was redeemable about that sequence. But it was just it was stupid. And here, and they topped it off because the whole sequence was like, "Oh, let's free the horses and leave the children as slaves." What? Well. I was watching Crossing a Jaywalker, and it's like, let's see how much shit from the Goonies we could put in a Star Wars film. It's like, they find, like, the dead Jedi hunter, exactly like Chester Copperpot, and then Ray has the thing and pulls it out, and it's just like the thing from Goonies where they lo- they match the rock with the mat. I was just like, what the? Like, what, are you just going to rip <laughs> off all the damn Lucas but, things in one film? Yes, but in their defense... The Goonies is a fucking great movie to rip off. That's what I'm saying. If you're going to rip off one eighties movies, uh, and completely make it to like a space opera, that's the movie to do. The Goonies. I, I suppose. But I just like was watching and there's like all this Goonies stuff in there and then like Poe's Power Ranger girlfriend showed up and I'm like, what the hell's a Power Ranger doing in Star Wars? And like there's just so much to it that I was just kind of like, there's some neat ideas here, but like honestly, you guys should have maybe took another year to like hammer this out and actually make it into like a good film because it, it would have been possible, but you you needed time. You, you guys just didn't take it. You just and then like that ending, like oh no, you're not dead, I'm dead, and like what? Both of you just die, all right? And in this fucking thing, bring Luke <laughs> and Leia back. Fucking hell, duh. 
Han 2, bring back Abraham Lincoln for all I care. Like, everybody, bring everybody back. The, the problem with uh, The Last Jedi is, that it, 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 you know, for being a middle movie, they did too many things, they closed the chapter to the point where it was really hard for Rise of Skywalker to be any good. Because, like, where do you go after that movie? Luke is dead. Uh, Carrie Fisher's dead in real life. Um, they really had no story arc to begin with, which is a huge mistake. Um, they did have a idea, and, and, and JJ, like, you know, said this early on, there's a, a story idea, not so much an arc, but a story idea of where each one of the characters was supposed to land. And he said from the beginning that, you know, that's why they gave Ray the mysterious background, because he kind of always wanted to make her a member of somebody's family. He said that he always had Palpatine in mind. I don't believe him, but he kind of said that that was always kind of an idea he was kicking around. That was always something I wanted to see. You remember we talked about this a long time ago where I said, Yeah, you, you were one burn. of the first people I, I, I think, probably the only person I think that said that she might be a Palpatine and really kind of fought for that. And I was just kind of like, I never really cared who she was related to. I, I, I was happy to see Palpatine back. I really wish they didn't just rip off dark, the end of Dark City, but put Ray in there instead and a bunch yeah. of Palpatines instead of the bald people from Dark City. I'm just like, really, they're, they're just going to steal the idea from Dark City where they put like all the Sith in her head and like, it's like, how many things are you just going to try to rip off and try to be like, yep, nope, but this is Star Wars, even though we ripped off the Goonies and Dark City and the Power Rangers and all this stuff. This is how a Star Wars ends. It's like, bullshit, as bad as Jedi was with its fucking Ewoks and stuff like that, it, it, it ended as a Star War. It didn't borrow from, you know, other recognizable franchises, sure. Like, he, George Lucas loved Commander Cody and, and, um, all those old what's his name Flash Gordon and all that stuff yeah. and like there was stuff taken from there as inspiration but like when I watched The Crossing and Jaywalker like I can literally t tell what other sci-fi movies they lifted off of and for a Star Wars movie to have to lift off of Dark City that, that's that's kind of tragic especially with somebody like J.J. fucking Abrams writing for him again I don't know like I said they should have gave him a little more time he should have been like dude this isn't ready this is going to be a crap movie if we put it out right now I agree with that but at the same time I, I, I at least acknowledge the fact that he went in, the, in a good direction with you know introducing Palpatine and bringing that character back because I think that character was essential to tie the entire thing up because you have to have a, a rhyme and reason for everything to start and finish, and it always has to be at the hands of the of the creator, of the of the either the, the antagonist or the protagonist, the good or the bad, the yin or the yang. You know, it always has to end at the hands of who started the shit, basically. And when you look at Star Wars, yeah, the the original trilogy is about the redemption of Anakin Skywalker from Vader to back to Anakin. The prequels is about how Anakin falls to the dark side. But who's the one guy who's always behind the scenes, you know, pulling all the strings? The Emperor. So for them not to bring the Emperor back on Force Awakens, I was like, that's cheap. I was expecting him to be in it. And even before The Last Jedi came out, I was like, you know, they should bring the Emperor in. in the, they should have brought him in the middle movie, to be honest with you, in the very beginning. And kind of like giving you a glimpse that he's one behind Snow. Yeah, especially like, yeah, especially when if you knew they were 
going to kill off Snoke because right. I, I didn't I didn't understand why everybody got so mad that Snoke died, but I guess that there was like that who's going to fill that chasm of who's going to be the string puller, and I, it would have been nice to know that the Emperor was a little bit in play before like they the third film where like they just kind of pull him out of the ass and be like oh no he was here the whole time like they could have at least like slipped in a scene where you kind of heard him chuckle but you weren't sure it was him or something at least in two or part one you know yep well i mean uh apparently from uh you know industry uh insiders and uh some of them are coming directly from jj's because uh, he's been very vocal but like on the down low about what he did and what he changed and what he wanted and what the studio mandated but he's not done it publicly because he doesn't want to you know lose his career honestly so there's a lot of people that have come out with you know stories of why well, I, I spoke to somebody involved in the production, and they told me this about what J.J. was doing, and that about what, you know, this, those, you know, a lot of those uh, rumors that, that come out like that. But I, when, that, when that comes out and they invoke his name, usually there's a little fire there, you know, there's a little uh, truth to the rumor. And part of that was that from the very beginning, he wanted Snoke to be a mysterious character that the Emperor finds in a part of the galaxy because he senses this evil in another corner of the galaxy, and he goes and meets with the Master, the events of Jedi. And it's the Emperor, not like, or the, actually it's a clone body of the Emperor, with the Emperor's soul in it, which makes sense. The Clone Wars, they even mentioned the clones in the uh, Force Awakens. You know, you have that, the entire clone mythology, even in the original uh, comics that came out that are legends now, the whole cloning yeah, of the Emperor, the- that's part of it. So, yeah, uh, well, I guess that's why they kind of held off because a lot of the people like me who at least read the beginning of the extended universe with the Dark Horse, um, Dark Empire, it started with the Empire coming right yeah. back and trying to get Luke with the Emperor. And I guess they, they didn't want to jump right into that because people would have known it was coming. But I think it at least foreshadowing that that's what they were going to get to anyways – would have did him a little bit of favor than to wait till the beginning of the third film to be like, oh no, this guy's still alive, and guess what? He's got um, star destroyers at the bottom of a swamp, a bunch <laughs> of them, and it's just kind of like, what? Like, what yeah. the fuck is the start of this movie? Like, that they honestly should have been like, okay, we're, we're gonna have to make four of them now, and made a fucking movie between the last one and this one to make this one make sense, more sense, you know what I mean, at least, why there's like all these Star Destroyers in the bottom of a swamp, and... How did the, and, and first of all, how did the Death Star from Return of the Jedi end up on that planet? Well, no, no, it was in a different planet, the the Death Star was um on uh the moon of Endor. Right, it, went, it was on the moon of Endor, but this didn't crash in the moon of Endor. That was an indoor. The emperor and his swamp star destroyers were on a different planet. They, that was the planet that they had to like get the little thing, the little triangular Rubik's cubes bullshit. To no, find. no, I, I know, I know, I know. But the actual, the Death Star, the remnants of that Death Star, that's a Death Star from Empire. I mean, from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. How does that happen? Have you seen Return of the Jedi? Have you seen how that ends up? Yeah, it, it, like there was way more of it uh, intact in that movie than how than the because like in Return of the Jedi, yeah, it goes nuclear. There, there shouldn't be anything left. Yeah, I mean there should be nothing. I can completely forgive you know the Emperor being alive because he's that strong on the dark side. In fact, I brought in 
Um, I don't know if you ever saw this, but I had a conversation, I think it was with a California guy, maybe a writer, maybe it was you, I don't know, uh, where I talked about what I would have done differently with the Emperor and how I would have brought him in. And one thing that I would have done was uh, that fall in Return of the Jedi when he's falling into the pit that Vader throws him in. My idea would have been like I would have actually literally started that off the movie. You know, the, you know, obviously when the crawl happens, you know, in Rise of Skywalker or in Enforce Awakens or Last Jedi, whatever you, whichever you want, you want to introduce him in. When after the crawl, I would have immediately obviously gone to the space shot, just like traditional Star Wars, and then gone into a, you know, the past. And actually shown how the Emperor goes from falling into that pit and surviving, and then you know, showing his survival so you can see, you know, how it is that he's at the end of the movie. And the reason that, that I would have given for his survival, the way he would have survived, was that he, and it would have brought so much closure and, and really brought things together, is if he would have used time travel. If he would have been able to figure out how to, you know, use a portal like they did in Rebels. I don't know if you ever seen the, the Rebels cartoon. Um, I, I, I have oh, you, watched the yeah, last you, season. Yeah, I've you, watched most of it. Like, I've actually gotten to the point where I actually kind of like Ezra Miller on that show. He's actually kind of getting really good on these last couple seasons. It's too bad to know that he probably dies, right? Well, I'm, I'm not going to give you the full uh, spectrum because we don't really know about what happens no. to him. But uh, uh, let's just say the end is very, very, like, messed up. Um, I'm not going to tell whether he lives or dies, though. But I will say yeah. this, though. You know, time travel through that portal is, you know, uh, something that's relevant now in Star Wars because they showed it in the cartoon. So if I'm directing the movie and I'm doing one of the sequels or even the first one of the trilogy and I'm like, I want to tie this into everything, uh, the prequels, the sequels, the, you know, Rebels, Rogue One, everything has to do with this storyline. I want to tie, tie in everything. Why don't they just use that? The Emperor was falling. He figured a way to go through a portal because he's that powerful on the dark side. He ends up in the world between worlds, which is where the the guardians of the wills are, which guarded, you know, that spectrum of, of the inner world. And he is so powerful that when he gets in there, he's able to survive the fall. So literally when you see him later on, it might still be the same guy. He never died. Because yeah. just because Vader threw him down the shaft, Vader didn't kill him. He picked him up and just threw his ass. He does because he supposedly explodes when he hits the bottom, right? And you see that big explosion. Well, let's just say he never hit the bottom. Let's just say halfway through, he opens up a portal, lands softly on the ground because he's able to do that. He's a flipping emperor. He's the strongest Sith Lord ever. You well, see, like he should, you know? If he got, like, force lightning, he should be able to, like, do some kind of force thing where he can, like, slow his stop. Right. And, like, kind of, like, land nice on the thing. And it, and the percussion of him, like, you know, stabilizing himself would affect whatever that stuff is to maybe look like it exploded around him. I mean, like, Exactly. They could have then... pulled that, too. I mean, there's several things they could have, like, done and showed that would have at least wouldn't have been like, oh, hey, yeah, this guy's alive. I don't know if we told you that in these past three movies, but, yeah, no, he's alive and he's got a swamp full of Star Destroyers. Yeah, it'll make perfect sense. Now, uh, you know, of course, you have, like, the geeks and, and flamers or gamers or whatever, like, you know, they, they've been hating on this movie forever. Oh, and, of course. And one of the things they attack it on uh, on that sequence is like, well, yeah, there's no way you can survive because the Death Star, it blows up at the end. 
Well, you imbecile. You forgot the little sequence where the, where Luke Skywalker drags Darth Vader all the way through one of the, uh, the hallways and takes his masks off and he has like a, a, a 10 minute conversation about like, oh, take my mask off so I can finally see you with my own eyes. Remember that? Right? Yeah, you're not gonna, you're gonna tell me a guy like the Empire, do, Emperor doesn't have like JFK tunnels all the way through this place set up with, um, escape pods at all of them, you know, in case something pops off. I mean, a, a little paranoid, creepy, evil fucker like that, you know he's got tunnels all over the place with escape pods. Not even that. If he's the Emperor he, and he can figure out, like, the time travel portal, he doesn't even need that shit. He can, he can just create a portal somewhere. Maybe he has one. Who knows? You don't even need to, like, go back and reshoot that the, the Return of the Jedi. In the new movies, you're going to just really show him because he looks the same. He has the makeup on, so he looks like the Emperor. You just show him, like, you know, walking through the portal and be like, how the fuck did he get there? Oh! Time travel like rebels. But Done! Tie everything in. Who was flying the storm, the star destroyers in the swamp? Are those all clones of him? Like, were, was were all those ships meant? Like, I, I, there was a lot that was unanswered about hit him and his fleet that he was going to give give Kylo if Kylo killed. It's like, who's flying those ships? Who's manning? Yeah. They they are full of emperor clones. I mean, that's going to be kind of creepy. With just a bunch of pervy old guys, just like you want to fly this ship. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know like I, I, I would, if I was Kylo, I'd just be like, yeah, I'm gonna just heat up my lightsaber and kill a bunch of you right now. If that's okay. <laughs> remember the <laughs> younglings? The fuck out. <laughs> remember the younglings? It's gonna be a lot worse than younglings in the prequels. Remember when Anakin killed the little kids? It's gonna be worse than that. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's gonna hurt because you guys suck. That's that, that's what should happen. Uh, but you know, it, it's funny because. I was worried about Rise of Skywalker, and I enjoyed the movie. I, I'm not a totally shit on yeah, it. I, I it's it. got its strong points. Yeah. Like, Kylo Ren, I thought that he was... I wish that his turning to good wouldn't have been as crappy, sappy, but it worked for the film. I think it could have been handled better, but um, I, I, I love that character. I hate that he died. I, 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 I think he should have his own film, you know? like You know how I felt about him in Force Awakens. You know, I love the character when I first saw Force Awakens. I was like, he was awesome. He could be like the next Vader. He's really good. I hated the character the way they finished him off in Rise of Skywalker. I hated what they did in Last Jedi. They took a, a character which could have been great and epic, and they shitted on him and shitted on him and shitted on him. And by the end of the third movie, he was nothing but a whiny little bitch. That's what it turned Kylo Ren into. A little whiny... You know, stupid. Well, he wasn't even sissy Kylo and he was bitch. he was all the way back to being Bindejo Solo. Yeah, I mean, they, they completely like ruined the character. I mean, he should have slaughtered Leia in the sequel. He should just kill her. He killed his dad. <laughs> you, wanted him, you wanted him to go full black metal, just like ah, yeah, he cut her in half. Like what? Well, you killed your father. You don't just go all the way. You go full retard. Kill your mom too. Why not just do it and go full dark side? And then you have a really, like, uh, a bad guy that can compete with Vader, in that sense. But the fact that he was kind of go up, and then you have, a, you know, a, a, another TIE fighter shoot, and then, of course, she pulls the, uh, the, the I could live in outer space moment, and, and nothing happens to me because I'm a woman, and I'm Leia. She's got the force, man. She can do the Mary Poppins. No, no, she, she Mary can't. Mary Poppins, y'all. No, she can't. She can't. No, no, nobody can do that in space. Come on. I can look. I can overcome Jar Jar Binks. 
I can't. Probably my disbelief is suspended for a while on the force. Hey, 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 you've never you've never done Alderanian breath training, all right? They probably have way better breath training skills than we have here on Earth. You can't you can't label. They may look human, man, but they yes. eat Earthlings. They I understand blood. that, but space and vacuums and that kind of stuff. I I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm not fully 100% sold that she could have done that. And that's, you know, and that's one of the failures of these movies. It was a stupid part of the film. It was silly. I like, I like Last Jedi. I cannot, I would, like, why did they, even when I was watching, I'm like, why are they doing this, though? Like, if if they were going to kill the character off, they should have did it because the actress actually died and it would have been a respectful thing to do, in my opinion. They had six months to go in and change that and make it so that she dies. And, and it's easy fix. If you saw my cut of the, uh, the Force Awakens and The Last Shadow when I mix it together, and I re-edited and I made her die and Luke stay alive, if I could do that within a weekend, you have six months to re-edit those scenes, why couldn't Ruined Johnson do that? Yeah, and yeah, like, uh, fucking get Ron Howard to go and reshoot the fucking ten minutes that they need to do. Like, look at what they, they remade an entire film for Solo, dumped how many hundreds of millions of dollars into that. And right? Why, why, they, if he didn't want to do it, they could have hired somebody else, and if he wanted to be a little brat about it, they could take his name off a director and give it to Ron Howard, like it, and whatever. It would, that's how it would have played out, but I think it would have worked out better for the film's sake. And I don't yeah. understand why Luke needed to be dead in this film. I think that like he could have did his same parts and had a, a fitting death or he could have stayed alive i don't understand like why all the old cast needed to die die in 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 this version i get that it's supposed to be about this young cast but the thing is is they're not going to do more movies with this young cast so what's the point of like giving them their own world and killing off the old cast if you're not going to do anything with them either yeah everybody off it's dumb yeah why, why can't luke stay alive it's a weird thing. I don't understand why they decided to make the choices they did. I guess it was cool that they got the original cast back and. But they, they but they butchered it. But they butchered it because they never even had like a scene where you have like them all together. You know, like they're like you know one scene you see Luke or his image interact with Leia, but you never get that moment where Luke, Han, and Leia are on a ship together. Or on an adventure together again. You never get Chewie. Uh, I mean, the, the, the part where Chewie walks away from Leia and she goes and hugs Rey in, in Force Awakens, that still pisses me off to this day. Because the Han Solo just died and she just met this chick. She's nobody to her, okay? Chewie's been around for 30 fucking years as your, one of your friends. He deserved the medal and the uh, and a new hope, and you never gave it to that motherfucker. Like the he, least you can do is hug him when his best he friend He barely dies. got his medal at, at the end of this last movie, and I'm like, that's fucked up. I mean, it's cool that they finally gave him the medal that he should have gotten in the first film, but like they just gave him Han Solo's old medal and been like, here, remember your dead friend. And it's like, yeah, it wasn't even an honorable thing. It's like, dude, look at all the shit Chewbacca's done, motherfucker. And then the fake Chewie death shell game thing really pissed me off about. The Rise of Skywalker team. Yeah. There were just so many idea choices that I was just kind of like, why is this in a 
major blockbuster Star Wars film. Like the, the cartoons have better writing than this. Like, I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll tell you this much: when he dies in the movie, when he supposedly dies, because you know he doesn't die, but when he supposedly dies, I was like, "Holy shit, that's bold!" If he doesn't come back, that's actually a very bold move. But of course, he comes back. So it's like, why even do that? Like. Everything they did, which could have ended up being like a bold move in Star Wars, they're like, no, that's just, you know, we're faking it. Yeah. Everybody comes back from the dead except for Leia when she dies. But right. we're not, we don't, we don't actually show that. It's kind of just like a little peaceful blanket over. And it's, I don't, I don't know. It just seems like they were like, we took all the risks in the last film and, um, people didn't like them. So we're not, we're not doing that anymore. And it's kind of like fucking wimps. You know, just because that guy took to some, did some bad big choices, which pissed some people off. I I didn't hate him as much as some people did, but I will say Ryan Johnson made some missteps with his film. I don't. I wouldn't say that that's a just don't make any bold statements at all. Now is is a horses Johnny space horses, and he leaves the slaves children. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. He was, just trying to, he was just trying to get some chubby Asian girl sex, man. Like, Ben wasn't thinking. And then the chubby Asian girl at the end ruins another moment, which could have been a bold moment for Finn, which is a self-sacrifice. He could have sacrificed himself, killed himself, which he was, you know, on board of doing, to save everybody. Like, that would have been a character-changing moment because he came in as a goofy stormtrooper in the first one. You didn't know where he was going. And then the second one is kind of like, you know, like, sissified where he doesn't want to really fight, but he has no choice because he's like kind of creepily, like, I guess he had a crush on Ray. I don't know what was going on there, but, um, you know, these, that doesn't get explored properly. But the, even like the, the, like the so-called love angle with him and, uh, and, uh, Rose Tico. Remember Rose Tico? Uh, even that angle was like weird. Like it, it didn't like go anywhere. Yeah, it didn't seem the, like it didn't seem like they were like um, interested in each other as partners. It was like, kind of like like he got forced to work with her and had. It, it, it didn't seem like they were connected. Like say like how like you. you I don't know. Out of, out of the three, I, I believe that Ray and Poe are Finn and Poe are friends. Now, like, Finn uh, and Ray's relationship, like, I, I don't see it as solid. Like, in the first film, sure, but, like, haven't the, in the last two films, they didn't really have any interactions. So I, I wouldn't really call them that close. And then Ray and Poe never really got on, you know? So, like, they, they try to act yeah. like the, the, the three are great friends, like Han and Leia and Luke, but not really, because only Finn and Poe would did stuff together and were actually believable as as, well, as a couple of friends. Poe doesn't mean Poe doesn't mean Ray until the end of the uh, the second movie, when, or when they're like leaving, or you know that he meets her like at the very end. Like he doesn't know the whole Ray is the, the whole movie. They has no idea. Like he heard of her, he heard of her, like he heard of the girl, but he had no interaction with her in two movies. And then in the third one, all of a sudden, oh yeah, we're all friends. But at the, and it's kind of messed up because at the end of the movie, they give each other that look, and you're like, oh, there might be some romance in the next one between, uh, you know, uh, Poe and Ray. There might be some, be some, and then nothing. Yep, Poe's got an old Power Ranger that he used to bang back when he was a smuggler. 
they, like, the, the, there was, and Star Wars always had a love story in the middle. Like, that was part of the core of every one of these stories. From the prequels with Anakin and Padme. That, that was them trying to be sneaky because there were, the love story was between her and Kylo, but then even they didn't get to have a love story because he dies because he doesn't want her to die because nobody can die in those mo- in that movie for some reason. <laughs> except for Leia. She's the only one that dies. She's the and only Luke. one that's allowed to. And Luke and, and Han. Yeah. Everybody was you know, important in the original trilogy. And Leia survives space, but then somehow she just, like, you know, sits down and just dies. She got the coronavirus. Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. Her nose stopped running, and she's like, oh, damn, I got a sore throat. It's corona time. (laughs) (laughs) Space corona. Guaranteed to kill you. Ah, man, it's a shame, because it's... it it ruined it, it, I want to say it ruined the trilogy. Uh, that's a little harsh, but it really made it so it's not as fun. It, it's, of a, a, it's a rocky trilogy. It's, yeah, at best, it, it it's on the same li- level as almost the prequels, as being um hard to watch for anybody that's not part of the generation that this is their first Star Wars. Is. No, but here's the which, thing. Which is sad. Here's the thing. Uh, even people that see this uh, this trilogy, and, and I've talked to a few of my uh, you know my nephews, a couple of their buddies, you know that will come around the house or you know you know this gener- this generation is much younger than I am, and they've also the same thing. They rather watch the prequels or the original than watch the new movies. They don't like the new movies. So I mean I think and remember the Force Awakens made two billion at the box office. By the time the second one and the third one came out. The, the third one lost half of the, uh, the the budget. I mean, half of the box office. So it went from a two billion dollar, uh, you know, gross to a billion, and that's a huge loss. That's like a that's a fifty percent loss or more. It's like fifty, almost sixty percent loss in total, you know, box office revenue because of the bad word of mouth and, the, and what happened with the sequel, uh, the, the Last Jedi, and of course what happened with Solo. Those two bombing the way they did with the you know, the fans and solo with the box office as well didn't help this one. But the one person, and besides JJ, who I blame, you know, in part for the movie not being great story wise, but the one person deserves full credit for every stupid thing written in that movie, Chris Terrio. They brought him in the moment they brought that guy in from uh, writing. For writing the movie, I was like, this movie's going to have major writing issues. I said it on this show. I said it on other shows. I said it on The Jackal's Head. I'll continue saying it. He is a horrible writer. He has failed upwards in life. I don't know how he's done it. But every time I see a movie now that he's in, I cringe. Because I see him do nothing but horrible scripts. I don't know how he keeps getting these epic movies. Well, because he's, he's J.J.'s boy, and then he became friends with people like Ben Affleck, and like these guys talk him up, and they get him big roles rewriting scripts for um, films that have already been written. And so like he gets the big writer's name because he's the guy that wrote the script that actually gets talked on film. And, like, and at some point, it, he's going to get recognized and called out for it. I mean, finally, like it Look at how long it took, but finally David Goyer's actually a name that gets looked down upon because of the shit that he's written all, all these years. You know what I yeah. mean? So you got to give it its time, I guess. But yeah, Terrio's another one. He's going to be 
But in his yeah, defense, but he's got, though, he's got these friends that you know talk him up and get him these gigs, and it's kind of a shame. Nepotism isn't yeah. always a good thing. But in the defense of Goyer, at least he was involved in Blade One and Two. He was involved in the Batman the Dark Knight trilogy. Like he did good work, also. Like you can't just shit on the guy completely. While he did some shitty work along the way. You know, yeah, like Blade Three. <laughs> well, the the the, tr- the the amazing franchise that he brought out, like he also buried terribly. But I still rather watch Blade Three than than the Last Jedi. I'll say that, and I'd rather watch Blade oh, Three no. than yes, and I'd rather watch Blade Three than even Wolverine Origins. Like I, 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 like as much as I dislike Blade Three, and I love the first two like to death. The third one is at least watchable compared to some of the other shit that he's done. But, uh, you know, you gotta give him some credit. He's done good work also. He's done some really shitty work, but he's, he's not done complete shit. Like Chris Terrio, the, the, his only like maybe decent movie was Argo. Had nothing to do with superheroes. Well, he or, did a lot of writing on Fringe too, which, I love that show. Yeah, but he he was like a side writer. He wasn't like the main head writer. That was, that was a J.J. Abrams uh, production. And that had a great cast. I mean, that, that cast yeah, would have been good regardless. Yeah, French was an... And yeah. you're the one that talked me into watching that show, so Chin Chin. It's an incredible thing. But, like, yeah. he was involved in writing that, so... And I didn't really ever have a problem with the writing on that show, so I was going to say that, like, maybe that's a plus for him-ish Maybe that's something he should look more into and be in those kind of like productions. Again, not every director or writer or actor is right for a role. Ben Affleck is a perfect example. He's a very serviceable actor. He's good in a lot of stuff. But the moment he was announced as Batman, what would everybody say? What the fuck were they thinking? And this guy was coming back into Hollywood's grace. With Argo and uh, you know the movies they had come out with, and in his them. own defense, he didn't want to do it. He told them no so many times, and they dangled a deal in front of him that nobody would have refused, and it ended up biting him on the ass. So Affleck's actually the victim of it, you know what I mean? Because he really didn't want to do it. WB badgered him into doing it, and now they're not even honoring the fucking deal they made with him. So like. I, I can't help but feel bad for him about the whole Batman thing, because it, it was it was never anything he was excited about doing. He did did not want to do it from Jump Street. Well, I mean, we were we've been told that by certain people, but from his own mouth was that yeah, he didn't think that he was uh, the right age for it. But when they told him, you know, the character and where he was on the stage and how he would be playing him. That's when he became interested because it was not what he thought. That, which makes sense because he was told to do an origin, you know, Batman movie. But if you do something where he's already a lot older, near retirement. But again, we just saw that in the Dark Knight trilogy. That's what, that's how it ended with Batman's old and near, you know, retirement. And he's all beat up and like, you know, like that's kind of like what that movie was. So you, you're literally like taking elements from that and giving it to Ben Affleck's Batman. After you had back-to-back really successful Batman movies, that's where you know people are like, well, eh, well, "Why?" The thing is, is he's a big he's a big um, Frank Miller fan from back in the day, and I'm pretty sure any Miller fan would be honored to be asked to play you know the Dark Knight Returns Batman, and that's kind of what they gave him. But um, had they actually given him that, 
adaptation. Well, from what I understand, though, is what they waggled in front of his face is, okay, dude, you, you play ball with us and you play Batman on our films, we're going to fund your next couple movies. They were offering him that same kind of deal that they gave Chris Nolan, because Chris Nolan didn't want to direct more than one Batman movie. They kept coming at him and being like, but you're so good. I'll tell you what. Dude, you do this. You do this next Batman movie. We'll do that magician movie you want. We'll put everything you want into it. So he played ball with him, and Ben Affleck tried to do the same thing, and it just fucking didn't work for the poor bastard. Man, he got stuck in their trap and wasn't able to get even a good performance out of it. Let alone one of his pro- um, projects produced, which you know. He, I don't know. I, I can't be mad at him about it. Is all I'm saying. Even though I don't think he was a particularly good Batman. Now, I, I, well, I'll say this much with, uh, in terms of Christopher Nolan. I, I think there's definitely half truth to what you just said, but it's not fully true because I remember even early on when that movie was being, you know, first filmed, The Batman Begins, the very first one. I remember that he even said that the way he was ending this movie, and he didn't say what it was, but he had ended, he had done like an open ending because he had another story that he had in mind to tell. And when people saw what he did at the end, everybody's going to get excited. So when he, they reveal the Joker card at the end, everybody's like, holy crap, that's what he was talking about. That's the big reveal. So everybody went in like ape shit, you know, you know wanted to see the Joker again. And, the, and I think in the back of his mind, even though like he didn't really know the movie was going to work, so he left it open-ended, he kind of had that idea where, well, if I get a chance to do another one, this is where I want to go with it. Well, the way he made it, the way he makes it sound, and it might just be so he can um, make it look like, keep his artistic integrity, but he was saying that, like, he kind of thought that other directors were going to take it on. He oh, talked about, yeah, all, yeah, I know, he did think that, that's true, yeah. And and also, the, um, he thought... Um, he he really wants to, he really wanted to be an artistic director and he didn't want to be making those action films and um but the way he tells it is that like he kind of didn't really want to make that second Batman movie and um Warner Brothers came to him and he had the upper hand and that's how he got the prestige made and then after that I forget um was not wasn't because they made they had already made in um encraption was yeah. uh, I think I think he got um them to make Interstellar for him. To, to make Dark Knight Returns, he, he he got like he got really good deals out of Warner Brothers for playing ball, at least pretending that he didn't want to make these other Batman films for him. Which yeah, you yeah, but I think you can, whether his stories are true or what, but like he kind of really sells it as like he didn't want to do these other ones, and he, they kind of daggled these wonderful projects in front of him, and he was able to get what he wanted out of it, and and he made. Pretty good films. I mean, I like two out of three of the Batman movies okay. I really like Batman Begins. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. And Rises has been half bad, but that middle one can jump in a lake. You're the only one that says that because that middle one to me is the greatest comic book movie ever. I mean, that's just me. That's I, I love The Dark Knight. Uh, you know, not everybody loves it, but I, there's a couple sequences in that movie where I'm like, this is the best comic book ever. Like, you know, comic book film sequence scene like the interrogation scene of batman and the joker when they're in the room by themselves and he's trying to get information from the joker and the the joker's like laughing when he's getting beat up i mean that is some of the best acting ever and and you might not know this when Uh, when batman when batman punches leith ledger the joker he he missed he really hit him 
Uh, he probably meant to. From what I understand, he was really hard to work with. Well, no, 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 not that. Heath Ledger leaned into the punch. He wanted to get hit. That was part of like what made him so epic. He told him, go as hard as you can. And Bale was like, what? He's like, just swing. And he leaned into the, if you watch it, it's almost like he wants to get, cause he wants to sell that moment really bad. So there's a couple of times where he gets hit. He's legit getting hit and he's feeling it. And like his performance was so strong that even though he was getting hit hard, he still like, he, like he was laughing through it. Like, like nothing. That part where he, they slammed his head against the table. He slammed his head against the table. Yeah. Like, there was and, a little slam there. And Heath Ledger was, he's like, ah, I don't, don't slam with the head. You know, Ill. like. I don't want to speak ill about the dead, so I'm not going to make the, the junkie comment that I was going to make. But, yeah, like, there's there's a reason why he was able to do that. <laughs> it's called heroin. <laughs> well, he, he didn't die of that overdose, so. At that time. Well. This is true, but we, you know I don't want to like uh, start rumors where there there have been none because I I don't think there's been any rumors of him doing heroin while shooting the Dark Knight. So I don't want to start those rumors. God knows we don't need a uh, somebody out in uh, in New York going to the library and starting yeah. shit. Well, no, it, it, there's um his history is pretty well known with um, substance abuses. I, I feel for him. I mean, I've had my demons too, but like, yeah, I'm just was saying like, when you're when you're you got certain vices, you can you know, pain's not an issue. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I don't know what it was, but I mean, he was I, I thought Ledger was great. And again, I was a naysayer. I, nay, I say, when they announced that, he, you know, the, uh, the gay cowboy from, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that cowboy movie, uh, you know, broke back, uh, you know, cowboys, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's the Joker now. What? Wait. Who? Yeah, you, you know, the guy from, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You? Yeah, that's Joker. Wait. Yeah. What? The, the who? Yeah, you know, the guy who was in, uh, that movie, uh, Medieval Times movie that came out, that guy. That's actually the only movie his I like. What? And I don't even really liked him in it. I, I mostly like it for Paul Bittany and like Alan Tudyk and all the other characters. That were a Knight's Tale. I saw yeah. it. It's funny. I saw it in theaters, and I was with a bunch of buddies from AMC theaters who, you know, they used to see all the movies for free back then because uh, I worked at AMC for years. So I, even though when I stopped working, I would go to the theater and they'll let me in for free. And uh, they did a screener for it. And uh, my friend Chris at the time, who was one of the managers. Uh, I remember we were sitting down and he was like, uh, he, he's a huge Paul Bentley fan, a huge fan. And he didn't know he was in the movie because he hadn't watched any of the, uh, the, you know, the prequel or the previews or the trailers or anything like that. So when he comes on screen, he's like, holy shit, he's in this? Oh man, I love this guy. I had no idea who Paul Bentley was at the time. I had no clue who he was. And then I watched a nice tale and I'm like, that guy's awesome. And and I liked the movie. I thought the movie was good. And I still it was not the greatest thing ever, but it was a good movie. Again, yeah, for for um, for yeah, what it is, for what it is, it, and it's pretty well made. It's got some great characters, some really good set pieces. Um, and as far as I, I I don't know of any other movies about like jousting. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a yeah. one off. You know, you you can't really say that. Like, oh, I've seen another movie like it that was better. It's like well, <laughs> I've never seen another really movie that's about it. So you know, it's kind of at least not made in the past sixty years. So yeah, <laughs> just sit back and enjoy for what it is. It's it's fun, dumbass 
a medieval movie. Yeah, and, and it was like it was like ten things I hate about you, but in the medieval times, that's kind of what it was. Yeah, sort of. but uh, but yeah, there was no Jorgen, Joe Gordon Levitt in it. No, no, no. Which, by the way, uh, ten things I hate about you. How you know? Who would have thought that the Joker and Robin would have gone to like school together? Yeah, and, and dated sisters. That, that's kind of that's kind of odd. Yeah, right. It's weird. Robin the Joker. Him, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if he talked him into the whole um, killing Jason Todd thing. Like, <laughs> you know, the guy that's going to replace me. He's a little dick. I'll tell you what. Since you're banging the little the little cute Alex Mack sister. Like, you, you, I'll, I'll kill him for you. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll be buddies like that. The only more epic duo that they, they kind of like make you uh, go, oh, wow, I can't believe that happened, was uh, when we uh, found out that the uh, the Penguin and Mr. Freeze were brothers. And they were twins. Who would have seen that coming? I don't know, Schwarzenegger and Danny Do- Oh, you're right. <laughs> I had to, like, actually stop and think about that like a dumbass. Wow. <laughs> right? What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. The Ice Age. (laughs) Fucking Arnold, man. He should have gotten an Oscar for that movie. The fucking Oscar for chewing the most scenery. Ah, man. That's the worst movie with the most quotable lines in the history of cinema. I think it would have to be Batman Robin. It's one of the most enjoyable bad movies. You know what I mean? It would be one thing if it was, like, unwatchable, terrible. But, like, it's, it's just so... Fun, you know what I mean? It's retarded, but you just you can't stop laughing at it. And you know, you got Bane going around going bomb, bomb, <laughs> placing bombs, and you're just like, this is the stupidest thing ever. But he's <laughs> saying bomb. Like, <clears throat> I don't know. I watch it baked all the time, so maybe that's why I laugh so hard at it. But still, like, it, it's oddly charming when it shouldn't be. I see. I, I found no charm. I just found it to be really bad, laughably bad. I can laugh at it, you know, without a problem. Especially when you pull the back credit card, no problems laughing at it. It's uh, the car, man. Chicks dig yeah. the car. <laughs> this is why Superman works alone. <laughs> Clear one line of there, guy. Dick. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I, I remember seeing Clooney uh, interviewed about that movie, and they asked him. What made you do Batman? What made you be in this epic new movie? This is before the movie came out. I was, you know, I just started a promotion on it. And uh, he said, well, I mean, it's a chance to work with Joel Schumacher. He's a great director. And, you know, I, he must have some pictures of me doing something naughty to make me want to dress like a giant bat. Uh, but, you know, I did it because it's such a great script. And, and you guys are going to love the movie. And then I saw the movie and I was like... This motherfucker's the biggest liar in all of Hollywood. All of it. Yeah. And, well, because yeah. years later, I remember, like, I think it was when Brokeback Mountain was coming out, they were asking him, so would you ever play a gay cowboy in a movie, George? <laughs> he's like, I already did. It was called Batman and Robin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now it's a bad movie. But back then, it was like, oh, it's going to be great. You guess well, it's, it. it's called a press cycle. Even if he knows it's a big turd, he's got to pump it up. Unless you're Jim Carrey and you want to purposefully tank your own movie like he did for Kick-Ass 2 or something. Like, there's very few people that have ever tanked a, a movie that they were in during promotion cycle, even when they knew it was a big steaming turd, man. Guys, with that, we're going to end the show right here, right now. And, uh, again, thanks to everybody for, uh, for checking us out. We'll be back, uh, hopefully, uh, within the next uh, 12 months. What do you say, Johnny? 
Yeah, hopefully, like <laughs> I say, twelve months is a good estimation time. I, I, if we ever if we ever hear from Zod Rider, I'm gonna I'm gonna call, call the police, get a wellness check on him, see what's up. That might not be a bad idea because I mean, last time he was a little bit under the weather, and uh, I have not heard back from him. So, I, like you know, all jokes aside, I do hope that uh, our brother Zod Rider is doing okay, and uh, it's just one of those things where he missed the show because. Had an ingrown toenail or, or something like that. I don't know. But Mad about something Warner Brothers didn't do for the God and Lord and Savior Zack Snyder. That's usually what he's mad about. Oh, they didn't respect Zack Snyder. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he's probably on, like, on a Coke and uh, binge somewhere. And I mean Coca-Cola because he doesn't do drugs. But uh, he's probably like uh, gone and got a sugar high somewhere. And he's like, screw this, man. I'm drinking Coca-Cola all day and night. I'm not going anywhere. And like we want to find him like with like a, a five foot beard and and twelve bottles of Coca Cola cans all over and cans all over the place and his pants are on his ankles and he's just gonna be like just the shell of the man that he used to be. And yeah. It's not because of you, Warner Brothers. It's all because of you, Warner Brothers. You could have helped. Respecting the Lord and Savior, Zack Snyder. You could have helped the brother by releasing the Snyder cut. Shame on you! Yeah, I just kind of wish they'd do it now, just just for him, you know, just just no. for my friend. Like, do it, just just Frizzad. Like, I'm gonna start the Frizzad Foundation and finally get fucking Warner Brothers to just do it to cheer my friend up. <laughs> Hashtag Greta Thunberg. How dare you, Warner Brothers? <laughs> With that said, Earth. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. Pow pow. Thank <laughs> you.